Hello and welcome to episode 14 of the RF Generation Playcast for May 2015. This is Gregos81. In our retro segment this month, Rich and Steven will be discussing the classic strategy RPG Shining Force for the Sega Genesis, while over on the modern side, Floyd and I will weave a conversation about Kirby's epic yarn for the Nintendo Wii. As usual, no spoiler is off limits, so if you continue listening, we're going to assume you've either played the games or don't care about discovering the plot on your own. As always, you can listen to the show on Podomatic, iTunes, and YouTube, and don't forget to follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook. Remember to log on to rfgeneration.com to join our playthroughs and discuss the awesome games we play. Thank you as always for listening, and now, on with the Playcast. Hello and welcome to the podcast for May of 2015. I'm your host, Rich, or Single Banana, and with me as always is my co-host, Mr. Disposed Hero, or Steven. Hey, how's it going, guys? Yeah, yeah. Well, we're, we're kind of ending, uh, or getting to the end of our run, right, Steven? I mean, we. Um, I don't know if uh, some of our members know this or not, but what we've done is uh, uh, Grey Ghost, uh, Sean, has hosted the modern playthrough, and I've sort of hosted the retro playthrough and uh, with you, and so what's going to happen after June is over with, you and Fleech or Floyd are going to kind of swap places, right? Yeah, so we'll have uh, our game next month, but uh, y- you know me, I'll still probably be on the retro podcast pretty yeah, often so yeah, of course of course of course and we're we're always happy to have you and have your insight uh, we just recently announced our game list which uh i'm pretty excited about especially the retro side which you know that's just kind of more my thing but uh what, what games are you kind of looking forward to that uh we'll be playing soon well there's mega man 2 and 3 mm, yeah so, you know, no, no bias there but no uh, <laughs> Hope we get a lot of people to a lot of people check that one out. <laughs> yeah, the sort we're sort of determine which one is the better game. That will be the probably the focused and argument on the forums all month for that. Anything else? See, I'm also doing a uh, Spec Ops: The Line, which I've heard a lot okay. of good things about. Um, that's, yeah, it's gonna be a modern title coming up, uh, I believe, in August. Okay, is that sort of like a third-person shooter, like a Battlefield or well, Call of Duty type? It's kind of a descent? military third-person shooter, but I think the the hook is that it actually has a very engaging story, like much more so than you would expect from this type of game. Okay, cool, cool. Well, that, that's really neat. I may have to check that out and maybe pick up a copy. That's on PS3 as well, right? Yes. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah, I'm... Really looking forward to playing some games too. I know we've got our uh, uh, our beat 'em up or our golden axe uh, month that's coming up in June. That's going to be really cool. Uh, yeah. Fokakis, uh who uh, won our um, uh, our lot 
for the uh, donation drive for the, the beginning of the year. He will be hosting that with me. I gave up my spot for that. So I'm really excited about that and uh, should be a lot of fun. We had not played beat-em-ups in a while and it'll be kind of a nice way to start off the summer with something kind of relaxing and kind of fun to play. So Yeah, me me and the Golden Axe series go way back, so I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah, yeah. And I'm actually really pumped. Um, Sean and I are going to be swapping in September. Uh, we're going to be swapping sides. He's going to host the retro and I'm going to host the modern. And um, actually Floyd had mentioned uh, Indigo Prophecy several months ago, um, and I kind of looked into that game. I didn't know anything about this game, and um, I looked into it, and, and now I have a copy on Xbox and PlayStation 2, and so I'm really, um, really excited about getting into that. The story of that, and I, I haven't done so much research to spoil anything, but just to sort of the background on that, um, you know, kind of waking up and a murder's been committed and you're, you're trying to figure out if you were actually part of it and you play different characters and kind of goes together as one big narrative. It seems like a really cool game. So, yeah, I, I played that when it originally came out and wow. it is okay. it's really good game. It's, I haven't played it since. So I'm you know looking forward to in the original title is Fahrenheit. Is that correct? That's the Japanese title. Yes, I believe it was called Fahrenheit in Europe also. Mm, okay, um, okay. changed it for North America. Oh, of course. Indigo Prophecy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course they changed it. So, well, it looks like we've got some exciting months coming ahead. And again, it uh, seems like everyone's excited. There's been some buzz on the forums um, about these games. We've actually got a vote that's going on right now. So hopefully this, um, uh, this podcast uh, will come out before the end of the vote. Um, we're voting uh, for one of our retro games between uh, Star Tropics and Little Nemo, the Dream Master. So, both of which are great games, and I'm sure whichever one doesn't get picked, uh, we'll have it in a playthrough at some point because um, you know both are incredible games on the original Nintendo. So, really looking forward to that. But uh, without further ado, let's uh, let's talk about Shining Force. Um, just to give a little bit of history on it, uh, Shining Force or Subtitle Shining Force, The Legacy of Great Intention, which um, we looked at that a few minutes ago to see, hey, is that on the cover or anything? And North America, it just says Shining Force, right? And um, actually on the boot up screen on the game, uh, start screen, it does have the remainder of that title. Um, this game was developed by um, Hiroyuki Takahashi and released in 92 in Japan. Did I pronounce that wrong? <laughs> uh, no, that's probably about as good as I could have done. So, <laughs> okay. I, I... <laughs> so it was released in Japan in 92, and in 93, it was uh, released in the U.S. and Europe. Uh, this is the first game in the Shining Force series, but it was preceded by um, a game that sort of, I guess, related on that storyline, Shining in the Darkness, which was also a Genesis title. Uh, Shining in the Darkness is more of a dungeon crawler. Uh, though, have you played that one? I haven't played it. I own it, but uh, mm -hmm. no, I haven't actually fired that one up yet. Yeah, yeah, I owned it for a while, and it just looked like a game that I probably wouldn't get around to playing, so I ended up selling it because I found a really cheap copy. Um, so it was just like, well, I can, you know, I can sell or trade it, so I did that um, and, and got something good for it. So, but I may have to uh, go back and uh, check that out. Uh, see what that's all about now that I've played Shining Force. Um, Shining Force has, of course, spawned several sequels. 
uh, including Shining Force 2 on the Sega Genesis, which I recently picked up complete in box the other day. So I was really happy about that. I actually got it for about half of what it's going for on eBay complete. So I was mm. uh, really stoked about that. Um, yeah, I've, I've been looking for one too, and you were kind enough to post a picture and rub it in my face and everything. <laughs> so I appreciate that. Yeah, sorry about that. Well, hey, if I find another <laughs> one, I'll I'll let you know. How about that? Oh, that sounds good. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so um, the game, um, the game we played, Shining Force: Legacy of Great Intention, was re-released in 2004 on the Game Boy Advance as Shiny Force Resurrection of the Dark Dragon. They decided to change the name, and they added a little bit of a storyline, um, additional storyline and some additional characters that you could pick up um, within the game. So um, it looks like they did a, a bit of a revamp on the graphics of well, as well from the pictures I've seen. Have you played this or seen this, seen this game? Uh, I probably have seen it. It's been so long, though. I haven't actually played it, but I'm sure I looked at some screenshots at some time. Yeah. Uh, I'm interested in actually checking that out sometime with the, for the added story and characters. I think it yeah. Might be an interesting change to the original. Absolutely. I mean, if it's one that um, I, I'm not sure what it goes for, I haven't checked out the price on the game. But if it's something that I, you know, came across for a for a decent price, it's definitely something I would pick up. You know, not only to have as part of my collection, but like you said, to play some of these extra storylines and check out these extra characters. So um, we had a good month as far as particip participation goes. We had 10 people sign up, but we only had eight people that are actually participating. And actually, the funny thing, the two that did not participate are our other playthrough hosts. So I'm going to have to give them a round of booze here. Uh, <laughs> Floyd and Sean did not participate and they signed up, but you know, that's okay. They got a little wrapped up with life and uh, Sean's had some great news lately uh, about a move. And so we're really happy for him. And Floyd's been busy as well. He and I have been uh, communicating back and forth. So neither one of them had time to do both as far as uh, the playthroughs are concerned because they're working on Kirby. So we'll, we'll give them a little bit of a pass this month maybe right yeah, so it happens yeah absolutely um so you played the game obviously um our good friend from canada uh engineer mike actually played the game and i believe last i heard mike was about uh three battles from the end is that correct i'm not actually sure off the top of my head yeah yeah i believe so i believe mike's just a few battles from the end and i believe this was posted probably about a week ago so he's probably finished it by now but i haven't heard from him uh eric escapade uh our, our german member who's been playing a lot of the playthroughs with us um he is actually playing the game um neo who um uh, is a newer member to the site and from what i understand a uh, childhood friend of yours correct yeah i've known him for uh, a long time I'll yeah, just, yeah. I'll say that. Yeah, and uh, so he's been, um, he's blessed us with his presence on the forums, and I, and I mean that all in good stead. He's, um, he's done an awesome job of just really talking about the games that he's playing. He's just a really nice presence to have around because he always seems super excited about anything that we're playing. So uh, it's great to have him, and I, I do hope that he will keep joining us for some playthroughs in the future. Uh, Neo Magic Warrior, uh, I know he put that he was getting sort of a late start on the game, but that he was going to marathon it, so we're counting on him to pull through. And uh, Rado, uh, our member from Down Under in Australia, he's uh, playing the game as well. Hasn't checked in, but uh, 
he he usually plays when he says he's going to play. And one of our members who's really been pretty vocal on the forums, Mr. Shaggy, uh, has been playing the game quite a lot and has had some really good thoughts and input. And uh, once we sort of talk about the game, we'll uh, we'll get to some of his thoughts on it and some of the things he said were pretty were pretty cool, right? He said some really good input on the game. Yeah. If he could just find the treasure chest, he'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little inside joke. If you're on the forums, you would know about that. But uh, I'll be honest, I had a problem finding them too. I didn't. I didn't realize that they were treasure chests when I was walking over them a lot of the time. So it, it did take a while. And of course, um, I'm playing the game. So that's our eight participants for the month. Um, give a little story overview. Do you wanna you wanna take that, Stephen, or you want me to talk about a little bit about uh, the storyline? I, I can do it. All right. Um, so, according to what the, the game shows in the little prologue section before the start screen, there's a big ongoing war between the forces of light and darkness. Forces mm-hmm. of darkness are led by Dark Dragon. Not not, uh, not Darth Vader? Yeah, not Darth Vader, Dark Dragon. <laughs> uh, a thousand years ago, before before the this game takes place, uh, the ancients defeated uh, the darkness and banished Dark Dragon to another dimension. Dark Dragon vowed to emerge after a thousand years. So after a thousand years have gone by, the kingdom has been in peace, but then the kingdom of Runefost begins waging war on the other kingdoms of the uh, of the land. Mm-hmm. Um, the game starts out with uh, Runefost attacking uh, the kingdom of Guardiana, which is uh, where, where you're from in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you play as the hero whose default name is Max. Uh you play the legendary hero. You lead the shining force. Uh, you have to defeat uh, the Dark Saul, who is trying to resurrect Dark Dragon. And that's uh, I think that's mostly the gist of it. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a great description. It had all the city names and everything in there. And one thing you learn toward the end of the game, a little spoiler here, is that Runefaust and um, um, the place you're from was it Gar- Gardenia or. Uh, uh, I'll have it in here as like Guardiana or something. Guardiana, that's right. Um, they're sort of mirror images of each other, right? You know, those like last two towns. So um, if you remember that sort of from the story, so. But um, mm-hmm. but yeah, uh, that's a great description of the game. Basically, um, as as we've mentioned before, uh, this is a tactical um, RPG. Uh, which means it's sort of like a turn-based system of movement, attacks, spells, and item use, and that sort of thing. Um, as you go throughout the game, um, you recruit members, which is really exciting. Um, and, you know, like you said, you're you're gaining these, like, special items and treasures of the ancients um, to um, basically put a put Dark Dragon to rest. Um, and, uh, you know, there's this whole idea that... Um, the game, the game really starts off kind of cool. Um, I, I, something I really like about the game is sort of the intro and how they do this through the entire game. As, as you start, you have this sort of intro scene, and even in your save sequences when you get ready to save, there's this young, elfish-looking girl who is uh, sitting on the floor with a, an old book that's opened up, right? And yeah. she's she's looking at that, and she's sort of telling the story of what's going to happen. And so it, it reminded me a lot of, have you seen Never Ending Story? I don't believe so. Okay. No. <laughs> so 
So in the never-ending story, this kid has this book, and he's got it open, and whatever, he finds this old book, and whatever he reads, sort of, he becomes involved in the story, and it kind of becomes true. So you've got this, um, you know, in, in this in this story, you've got this girl who's sort of like foretelling the future and the events that are about to come, and she's also playing the part as the person who saves your progress, and you know, she's always talking to you when you come back and forth into and out of the game. Um, so it's it, it's really neat. It's um you know not it's a device I really haven't seen in a lot of RPGs, and of course I haven't played as many as you have. So you know you, you may have a little bit more insight into that. You know, a, a lot of RPGs you just kind of you go to an inn or find some sort of save point, talk to someone, and just save the game. Right? That was sort of the early strategy for saving. Yeah, and I can't really think of any other games that use a system like this off the top of my head. Uh, but so this may be the only one. I know Shining Forge Two is similar, except the the Elven girls replaced by an old witch. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> well, that's cool. Funny, but yeah, well, that's uh, neat. I mean, it's sort of a little little trope or technique that they use to make it, you know, sort of original, sort of make it their own. And and I, I mean, I, you know, a lot of people may play this game and not, you know, think it like very endearing or kind of neat but um but you know i i thought it was i thought it was something that i'd never seen before in an rpg and um kind of drew me in you know um as part of the sort of overall story which i thought was nice yeah i uh it i, I guess i liked it the only thing was you had to sit through that text like every time like she's mm. like she, which yeah. that, there's a way to i found out you can kind of skip it Oh yeah, you just uh, you hold, hold down A. Yeah, if you hold if you hold the button as you're going yeah. at the start screen, but if you don't hold the button down, it like it doesn't automatically skip over it. You have to actually kind of uh uh wait for it to go through, yeah, finish. But uh, other than that, yeah, it's a it's it's a neat little little way to to handle it. Yeah, and if you if you've only got one save on your game, you can just fly right through it. You don't have to worry oh, about yeah, selecting. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, that's nice, and that's kind of what I did. I. Uh, with most RPGs, and I don't know, are you like this as well? I, I'm kind of wondering how people are with their RPGs. When I get an RPG, I will go through and I will erase all of the uh, file saves on it. <laughs> sometimes I do that. Do you? Uh, Just I sometimes? Think, I, yeah, I don't, I don't think I do it every time, but <laughs> some, sometimes I will. What makes you hold on to those file saves? Just curious. Uh, I don't think there's anything really. There's okay. actually there actually was one save on my Shining Force cartridge that wasn't mine, but it, and it's still on there. Um, it was in like slot three for some reason. It wasn't in the first one, so it didn't really yeah. bother me. <laughs> I'm always but, uh, wondering, um, like if I'm like at a flea market or something buying like, um, like an old Nintendo game or something like Dragon Warrior, and I and I buy it, and it has like. And I take it home, and and there's some like probably vulgar name that I used when I was a kid that just kind of <laughs> shows back up. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's my cart! You know, no one erased my save for all these years. That would be amazing to f <laughs> reacquire just out out of chance the same cartridge after like twenty or thirty years. <laughs> Maybe I should. Uh, there's probably someone with that story though. I imagine out there somewhere. <laughs> Maybe stranger things have happened. So. So, speaking of ancient history, let's talk a little bit about our history with the game. Um, for me, um, I'll kind of start off because mine's boring. I've never played this game before, and I've never played a tactical RPG before. And maybe surprising to some, but, you know, um, 
I, I've just never played this style of game. Um, I, I really didn't know what tactical RPGs were. I, I sort of knew a little bit about them and what they could be about and just didn't know if it would be something that I would be interested in. So just kind of stayed away until now. So, And how about yourself? What's your history with this game? Um, well, my history with this game isn't really that detailed. I think I first played this game sometime around the time where emulators, PC emulators became popular and I uh, was able to acquire it then and uh, play with it. Mm. Um, I guess as far as the Shining Force series, um, my history goes back much further. I actually used to rent the sequel, Shining Force 2, a lot as a kid from the local blockbuster. Um, And I was... I don't know how old I was. I was pretty young. I was maybe eight, nine years old, maybe. Okay. Uh, Why are you had... talking about praying that your save file's still there? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's that's probably... <laughs> I rented the game a few times, and I, I think every time I wasn't able to continue my save because it oh, wow. probably, got, probably got erased. But yeah. I could never finish the game before it was due back at the store. Right. So, <laughs> But uh, I think I had seen my neighbor, who uh, used to be my neighbor uh, back when I was a kid... Uh, he, uh, he. I remember seeing him play. It was probably the first game, actually. So that's yeah. kind of how I I knew about the series. And I guess I saw the second game at the blockbuster, and I picked it up. And like I said, I played it quite a bit as a kid. Hmm. Yeah. Second game, I assume, uh, stands stands on its own pretty well. You wouldn't have to really play the first game. I mean, you you may need uh, it for a little bit of history, but I believe so. I don't. I don't. I, there's not really much in the way of recurring characters, if if any, actually. Oh, okay. Um. Yeah, I think it stands on its own. Although, probably some of the story elements are similar. Uh. But, yeah, I think you could jump right into the second one without ever play, having played the first with no problem. Yeah. Okay. Well, one thing that really surprised me about this game is it's very linear. I mean, very linear. Um, it, it's comprised of 30 battles, basically, right? And the only thing really in between, you, you, there's not a lot of exploring. I mean, you explore the towns, but that's about it. I mean, you, you cannot jump, um, like, like with Dragon Warrior, of course, like early RPG, uh, you know, you're kind of confined based on the enemies, like, because you can't go too far, because if you go into a certain section or across a certain bridge, the enemies get so powerful that you're going to die. Right, but this game is more even, even more limited in that it keeps you sort of laser focused um, as far as what you have to do next. Yeah, the environments are kind of locked in. I guess there's always right. some barrier keeping you going from going where the game doesn't want you to go, and there's only like one town to explore at any time, and there there are no like optional caves or anything to explore. It's uh, you just have to go where the game wants you to go, and yeah, that's that's pretty much all you can do in this game. Yeah, and for me, I, I guess that may be a little bit comforting, like not having not played a tactical RPG before and not having to worry about like, um, you know, running all over the place, finding items or or that kind of thing. You know, it, it basically it's a uh, it was just sort of a progressive story, right? You just you fight these battles. They're not they're not any wandering monsters. The um, you don't you don't walk around and uh, you you automatically stop. You hit something, the screen goes berserk, and like some monsters in front of you, like you know a lot of RPGs like Final Fantasy and Dragon Warrior and uh, Fantasy Star. Uh, you you basically um, 
you know, these battles are already prearranged. They're set up. You know, they're going to be the same every time you play the game, right? Yeah, it's funny. I, if I remember right, I think Shining Force 2 has a little bit more in the way of exploration. Like, okay. I think it does have a little bit of sort of a random encounter thing going on. Okay. Like, so if you're going back and forth between two areas, sometimes when you hit another screen, the screen will sort of, like, flash, and you'll be in this battle all of a sudden. And it won't be a difficult battle. It'll just be, like, a short, uh, you know, a few monsters. But uh, it, it, I think it's a, kind of a surprising contrast uh, between the two games. Sure, sure. Well, it'll be interesting as I, as I you know, play the second game. Maybe we can do that as a playthrough at some point if the game does not keep climbing and getting to outrageous prices. So. <laughs> That's yeah, kind of the problem. I need, I need to get mine quick. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah. So, you know, you you are sort of limiting. But again, as as I said, I, I mean, as a new player, I found this comforting. I, I didn't I didn't have a problem with it. I didn't see it as a negative. Um, I think some games have a little too much exploration where you just you get confused. You don't know what to do next. Uh, with this, it was kind of nice because you just you know follow a progressive narrative and and you know, are able to make it to the end as long as your, as long as your strategies are good within the game, which is games entirely based on strategies and tactics. Um, you know, you can beat this game. It's, it's not a problem. There's, there's not a lot of grinding in this game. Did you, did you, do you do any grinding when you play this game? Was there any part where you had to do any um, grinding? Not, not intentionally. Like if, okay. if I, you know, of course, if you, if you lose a battle and die, then you keep all your experience. The, the um, great so that, exposed hero lost a battle. <laughs> it happens on occasion. But, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's actually one of the good things I think about this game is that there really is no true failure. You know, even if, if you lose sure. a battle, you keep that experience and everything. And sure. um, you come you can come back and you're stronger uh, when you try the, the battle again. Sure. You have to resurrect a few heroes, but yeah, I mean, that's but, not a big deal. It's not an expensive thing to do in the game. No. Uh so I mean, gold is overly abundant in the game. I think I finished with over two hundred thousand gold or something, and I was buying like, you know, the most expensive items. I was making sure all my characters mm -hmm. were um, had the most expensive, the best weaponry, and and um, I don't want to say armor. It's not really armor besides rings, yeah. but um, you know, just the best stuff that they could have, and plenty of you know items uh, on their person. So yeah, I don't I don't think there was ever a time when I wanted to buy something in this game and didn't have the money uh, yeah. for it. Yeah, yeah. So, we'll talk a little bit about tactics. This is a tactical game, so we do have to kind of discuss tactics and and you know sort of methods that we use throughout this game. What, um, you know, one good thing about the game is the the enemies are so different and they all have different ways of attacking. Whether it be you know with melee with magic, uh, some of them as you get later on have ranged, which are completely annoying. Um, but what what was sort of your um sort of your rule of thumb, Stephen, for um how you would approach a lot of these battles, kind of going in fresh? Um, I would usually just uh just send all my guys in. Didn't really uh try to use too much in the way of tactics. Just send my units in and hope for the best. And yeah, you know, if I if I lost the battle, then I could go back and I then I would kind of know what enemies I was up against and you mm -hmm. know the the patterns they would use, and I could sort of work around that. Maybe play a little more defensively if I needed to, but. As far as just the first time I approach a battle, I would just kind of go all in. Yeah, yeah. And one good thing about this game that I noticed, and, and somebody brought this up um, on the forums. I had figured it out, but ac completely accidentally uh, through the through the menu, if you were to press B and back it out, 
uh, when it was your player's turn, you could actually move that grid and move onto the monsters or any of your players um, in your tunes and see like what the stats were, right? So yeah. even when you had like new monsters, um, it, it was you were kind of able to see like or, or have a, have a pretty good idea of you know, what their tactics were going to be and how they were going to attack, I think, a lot of times. Yeah, it was help. You know, you could see their HP and their attack rating mm-hmm. and their defense. Sure. So you could see if they had any uh, spells. Sure. Um, so, yeah. you know, you could, if they had spells, you knew that enemy would was capable of ranged attacks, which, yeah, was, you know, could alter your approach to that to attacking that enemy. It was sort of like the peekaboo badge in Paper Mario. Yeah, yeah. Way, <laughs> so, way to bring it back. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do, I do what I can. So, <laughs> so yeah. So I mean, and you could, you could a lot of times tell by the the type of monster it was, like what its movement would be. You knew if it was a flying monster, a lot of times that it was gonna, you know, be able to take up a lot of space on each movement, and then it was also gonna be able to go over certain types of land area that. Uh, more of your ground monsters wouldn't be able to do. So there was that, that was a, a really neat thing in the game and sort of one of those small things that I really liked about this game. I mean, it didn't have to be in there, but it was, you know. Um, just something really cool and well thought out. So let's talk a little bit about... Um, well, I guess we, we talked a little bit about the tactics you use. You kind of went just kind of full force. I was a little... Um, my battles probably took a lot longer than most people's would because I'm so meticulous with things like this and I always made sure I moved like slowly and I would always have like my uh, my tanks, my, my more my warriors and centaurs and stuff like that up at the front and I would move slowly so that um, I, I didn't want to move into like the space of an enemy where I knew they could run up on me and get first attack. I would always try to make it where... Um, I could move outside of their movement range, if that makes sense, and have them enough where they would move toward me, but then and I could run in and get the first attack. Yeah, I, I yeah, I would try to do that as well. Uh, yeah. Try to try to try to anticipate their movement range, and uh, I think you can actually see their movement range with the mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, the mechanic we just talked about. Yeah. But, uh, well, and before they move too, there's sort of like a shaded. They they have this kind of shaded block thing. Like if if they pass. On their mm-hmm. turn, it'll show you that sort of shaded block thing. If you can kind of mm-hmm. memorize where that is, yeah. um, you know what their basically what their area is of, of movement. Um, and typically, I you know my my second row would be made up of casters, um, and for a long time my ranged. Uh, but with your a lot of your ranged characters, um, uh, as you as you get better weapons, as you go from the arrows to the shells your range gets a lot longer, so I could actually have a third row of those guys. Um, and and uh, a lot of the range characters uh, I, I thought were awesome because they could attack through like walls and over walls and stuff like that, uh, which helped me take out a lot of enemies without getting attacked. Yeah, I guess I didn't really uh, try placing my units in rows like that, even though that is a, a very good strategy. Um, like I said, I didn't, really, uh, I didn't really think too much about it. I just sort of sent them all in and hoped for yeah. the best. Which... yeah. Had mixed results, but sometimes it worked out. Yeah, and and you know you've played this game several times before, mm-hmm. so you know you, you kind of know what's going on with me. I was a little more, I guess I played this game with a lot of caution. You know, um, mm-hmm. I didn't lose a lot of battles, uh, but um, you know, sort of this uh, proceed with caution, and it says a lot about like who I am as a gamer, though. I mean, I'm very like technical and intense, and probably and. 
you know, now after playing this, I'm asking myself, gosh, why am I not playing more games like this? These games are obviously made for someone as nerdy and as uh, technical as me, you know? I mean, why have I not been playing these forever? Uh, so, so it was kind of funny, um, and, um, you know, it just, um, this game sort of catered to a lot of the things I really like about, you know, who I, well, who I am and, and things that I really like about games, so I thought that was pretty cool. Um, I, I did mention, like, leveling up and grinding. I, I didn't really have to do any grinding in the game to level up, um, except for one part, and that was the circus tent part, which, uh we'll get to later, but I felt like overwhelmingly underleveled for that part for some reason. And I don't know why that was. Yeah. I, I mentioned that I, I didn't really intentionally grind just if I lost a battle, then I just, you know, I kept that experience. And usually when I went back to replay the battle, I was, you know, good to go. Yeah. Yeah. I guess what I would do is take out all the mobs on the screen, except for the last person. Which I kind of felt like, well, you know, that's sort of the same thing. But I know if I attack now, then I'm going to lose, you know, a lot of characters that I'm going to have to, you know, spend money on. Not that it would have mattered, but there wasn't any additional experience to gain, really, by by hitting that mob. But there, though there was, I mean, I guess there's a little bit, right? And I guess that's what we should talk about now is maybe a little bit about leveling up in this game. Do you want to sort of talk about that and describe what that's like for this game? It's very odd from what I'm used to. Yeah, so each individual character has their own uh, set of experience, and each time a character uh, reaches 100 experience points, they gain a level. Mm-hmm. Um, you can gain experience by mostly by defeating enemies. Which, um, if it was a higher level enemy, would always seem like it would always give you 48 experience points. Yeah. Um, if you yeah. just did, a, if it was a weaker enemy, or you just did a certain amount of damage to an enemy, it would give you less experience. Mm-hmm. Um, healing could al- would also give you a small amount of experience. Mm-hmm. Um, when you actually gain the level, you get a semi-random amount of uh, stat increases, which was a little frustrating sometimes, because yeah. sometimes I would get practically nothing. I think sometimes I actually got nothing. Mm. I got no stat increases from yeah. leveling up, so that was kind of frustrating. And then sometimes you would get these you just epic uh, upgrades, you know, you gain like, I would see like six or seven strength sometimes, you know, and yeah. nine HP, which, you know, is a lot in this game. Yeah, absolutely. It's just, it seems it's kind of all over the place. Yeah. Uh, and, and the problem with that is sometimes is there are certain characters where they'll, they'll just be awesome at first. Um, and I think we mentioned Ken as being one of these characters, right? Who's just so yeah. awesome at first, all these hit points, just this supreme, like, tanking centaur. And then as you get through the game, you get toward the end, I mean, he's not he's not getting these things when he levels anymore. And he's, like, bottoming out. And that kind of, you know, it really plays into how you have to think about this game as you're leveling um, and in what you're doing. Because if you're not... Really, I mean, there were a few people that I had heard later that like, oh, you need to level this character. I think one of them was the uh, centaur. Is it Arthur? That's supposed to be so good at end game. I believe it yeah, was. Yeah, okay. and I, I I attempted to do that. Like I got him up to about level fifteen. They say you're supposed to get him to level twenty before you promote him. But mm, uh, I got okay. I got him up maybe level fifteen, and then I promoted him, and he ended up not being that great. I ended up having to I booted him from my team. Huh. So. Interesting. Yeah. I tried to do it late, and when you try to do it late, um, that's almost impossible because when you try to 
promote a character late, and this is one of my gripes about the game, um, when you try to promote a character late, when you hit an enemy, it only takes off like one. And so you have to somehow mathematically figure out how you can get a enemy down to one so that you can kill them and then get 40-something experience for it, you know, which is completely bizarre and completely silly. In my opinion. Yeah, it's it, it, yeah, it's kind of a pain sometimes. Yeah, and and it's it, it would be one thing if it had. I know, like a, a lot of RPGs and 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 mainly later ones have this system where like you get this when you when you actually take something out, you get this overabundant amount of experience. You know, when you're low level, um, and so your character can like sort of catch up. You know, with your with your other characters. Uh, which is always nice uh, when you have these big party RPGs, um, but in this that that really wasn't the case. You know, it was it was more old school. It's like okay, you know, pick who you want to go with you, and you know you need to stay with that group. If you get somebody later, you can swap them out if you want to, but uh, you know, if if that's the character you want, you got to stay with them, right? So. Yeah, and like you said, you know, you can't really just power level them that quickly because. When even if they're low level, if you defeat an enemy, they're only going to get forty-eight uh, experience max. You can't just get like three levels, um, you know, right off uh, just from killing one enemy, like you maybe could in some other games, some other RPGs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But you know, with this this game, all in all, I felt was a real like. It does have spells. There are a lot of spells in the game, but it's a very, and I think you and I talked about this, a melee-intensive game, um, you know, ranged or melee-intensive game, attacking game, not a lot of um, spells used. I mean, you, you do use spells, and, and they come off with good results, especially in mobs that are, um, you know, bunched up together, and the spells are really powerful at the beginning of the game. Um, but all in all, to me, it seemed like it became more of a, uh, you know, more of a hand-to-hand, um, or, or weaponry used game than anything. It seemed to be the more dominant, um, characteristic that kind of came yeah. out. Uh, later in the game, spells don't really do that much damage. Yeah. Um, but they're good for taking out a group of, or, you know, a damaging a group of enemies. Mm-hmm. Um, that's usually what, what you would use them for right. later in the game. Yeah. Or, you know, as far as like healing was concerned as well, and I think you and I talked about this, as you as you go through the game, you sort of just ditch your healers, right? For for more yeah, offense. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so, you know, as far as spells are concerned, um, you know, um it, it's it's a little bit uneven, I, I think. Um and, and one of our one of our members actually mentioned this on the forums. We had asked some people to write in about some things they wanted us to kind of kind of talk about tonight. And uh, one of our participants, Shaggy, had had written talk about unbalanced magic and user experience. So um, so yeah, um, I'll let you kind of hit on that. Uh, what he means by that, the unbalanced magic user experience. Yeah, so I mean, your mages and uh, your healers actually, in particular, just. Mm-hmm. Uh, really hard to level them up because they're, obviously they're not going to be on the front lines attacking. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you can use your healing magic and your mages can use, uh, you know, their attacking magic, but especially your healers, like they just don't get a lot of uh, experience for, for healing. It's around 14, isn't it? Something around that for healing a lot of times? I would, I would get 10 most of the time, but it was okay. usually between 10 and 15. Yeah, yeah. 
So it's um, oh, it gets a it gets a little better. Uh, like if you get uh, Tarasu is one character who has the aura spell that can heal multiple right. units, and you could heal you know four or five units and get you know forty or more uh, experience in one turn, which you know is a lot better. Um, and same on the same same with the mages. The mages were a little easier to level because you can actually kill an enemy with sure. uh, with magic spells um, and get you know the forty eight experience, and you can also do the uh, group attacks, um, hit multiple enemies, which would always net more experience than just uh, a single uh, attacking a single enemy. Yep, yep. And I think we mentioned this, but in this game, it's a lot of RPGs when you when you have a group. A lot of times, you you gain experience as a group, and that makes your levels go up. With this game, and I think we probably we probably we might have mentioned this, but it, it's it's individual experience. Everything you do, every action you take. Um, you know, whether it be a spell or whether it be um, attacking an enemy, even missing an enemy, you would get one experience, right? Yeah, and that's really a, a common mechanic across, you know, tactical strategy RPGs. Okay, okay. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, more of your more traditional RPGs like Final Fantasy and games like that. They're, you know, of course, the whole party gains experience for winning a battle. But, yeah, in these, in these type of RPGs, it's... Uh, by each individual unit gets their own experience, so it's a uh, yeah, it's a little tougher to level up your party. Yeah. Well, speaking of the party, let's move on and talk a little bit about the characters. Of course, um, you know, you've got your hero or Max, who you can name, you know, whatever you want. I haven't played as Max. Of course, my guy was named Banana, uh, just because that that's typically what I do when I play games now in the playthrough. Um, but you have these allies who, as, as we mentioned before, they fulfill a variety of roles, you know, tanks, uh, you got ranged attack, you've got casters and things like that. Your, your normal sort of RPG variety, which is, which is really nice. Um, and as you move throughout the game, um, you're picking up new party members. Um, some of these characters are automatic. Um, they just, they're just part of the story. I think you mentioned one of the characters earlier. It's one of the, uh, it's the priest you get to near the end, Tarasu. Um, he, um, you kind of get him near the end of the game. Um, he, he just joins as part of the storyline. But then there's also several other characters that are um, hidden characters, if you will, in the game. And you have to do something at a certain time or start an event or talk to someone uh, in order to get these characters. So, and I think we had a lot of those as our, um, as our achievements this month, right? That was, that was what we put yeah. listed as our achievements. So any favorite characters, any characters that you liked or did, did you, did you get all the characters in this run? Let's start off there. Uh, I did. Yes. Okay. Uh, I recruited every character and I think, I think when I played the game before, I don't know if I missed um, how many I might have missed or recruited, but uh, mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure I did miss out on Musashi. Uh, okay, and he was one of my favorites. You oh, get him man. pretty pretty late, <laughs> but he's uh he almost seemed a little overpowered when I first used him because I mean the guy's a he's a tank. He could just take uh, take as much damage almost as you know the enemies are willing to dish out, and he can he can, can dish out the damage too. as well too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. His only knock is his movement. Um, yeah, which I gave him one of the. Uh, was Pepper. it Turbo Pepper? Turbo yeah. Pepper. Yeah, increases yeah. his movement range. So. Yeah, and I gave him the ring too, whichever ring yeah. that is that increases the movement too. Yeah, well worth it if you're playing the game. Um, yeah, you find him late in the game, but not 
not extraordinarily late. I think you find uh, Hanzu the latest. And that's the ninja. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's actually in the last village. Uh, so, but um, but yeah, really cool. I mean, I really love how this game integrates these hidden characters, and you know, that you have to do these like little events to get them. Um, and it's pretty fun. The first time I played it, I. I didn't save my game. I just played through a few battles one afternoon just to kind of start out and get my just get my hands on it. And I missed a gong because he's in that like little that small town, you know, mm-hmm. right there at the beginning. And, and I didn't know like during the battle I could walk into another town, you know, or you know leave the battle, which was the case. So, um, you know, you find him and uh, Jogurt as well, and you have to talk to Jogurt in that same town to. Uh, Actually, yeah. get him to join later. Who's a completely useless character? <laughs> yeah, Joker might have been one that I missed out on on my first playthrough, but that's okay. You don't. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to yeah. use him anyway. So uh, yeah. So uh, favorite characters. Which ones did you like um, the best? Now you mentioned the uh, the samurai Musashi. Yeah, Musashi. He was he's definitely up there, and I have to mention Gort. He was he oh, was like yeah. my go-to guy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Gort uh, and Luke, the big axe battlers. Yeah. You know. You know. There. With that swinging axe technique that missed all the time. God, yeah, so yeah. Well, I, I had a lot of characters that missed, so <laughs> I can't really knock knock them too much. But you know, I actually didn't. Uh, I actually dumped Luke at some point. Really? Okay. Okay. I I, I was maybe halfway through the game, and he, I just seemed like he was dying a lot, and so I just felt like he was kind of the weak link at the time. So I yeah. let him go. I mean, yeah. I didn't really want to, but he just I just felt like he wasn't pulling his weight. So. Sure, sure. Got to go. Sometimes they just gotta um, go. <laughs> gotta, gotta mention, uh, I have to mention Guns too. He was, uh, always okay. on the front lines. I never used that guy through the whole game. Oh, so. man. Oh, <laughs> he's a, he's a, he's pretty much, uh, another Musashi. Oh, really? Maybe wow. not quite, maybe not, maybe he doesn't do quite as much damage, but, um, he's, he's a tank and he's, you give him, um, I think I gave him the mobility ring or something, and he yeah, increases his movement speed. And mm-hmm. he, yeah, he's almost like another Musashi. Well, that's good to know. I mean, because now I can play this game again. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I had yeah. no idea. That's cool. Um, yeah, I thought he was maybe just, just by the looks of him, I thought, oh, he's just a joke <laughs> character, you know? Like, yeah, he's kind of kind of goofy looking, but yeah. I mean, yeah. Adam, that robot at the end, ugh awful yeah i never used him yeah you can't you can't level him up quick enough he's already behind by the time you get him um, yeah that's what, what i've heard that if you do take the time to level him he can be really good but uh, i wasn't gonna grind no, uh no. grind him up so um we didn't mention xylo yeah i was gonna mention xylo yeah um very awesome. good very good fast character he could you know pretty much get anywhere you want him to be he does pretty pretty decent damage. He can take a decent amount of damage, not quite as much as you know Musashi or Gord or some of these other guys, but um, he's still a really great character to have. Yeah, yeah, very well balanced. Can hit pretty yeah. hard as well. Yeah. Um, my only issue with him, one thing I did not like, I hated his promoted animation. I really love the animation where he would dive across the screen before he was promoted. And yeah. just you know, smash people, and and basically when you, I think when you get him, he's level nine, so you can promote him like after right after that first fight. So um, yeah, that was kind of a disappointment. I was like, ah, oh. it's just like little flying blue wolf heads. I don't know if you noticed that or not. Yeah, it just looked like uh, 
like like wind to me or something. Yeah, wind wolf heads or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I didn't I didn't bizarre. notice the wolf heads, but <laughs> yeah, I, I could agree. The slashing was was cooler. Uh, yeah, uh, I also liked um, I like Lyle and um, uh, Diane, who were the two like ranged attack. Yeah. Wing. Um, at, at times their attacks were really weak, but sometimes it was certain mobs. They they did a lot of really great ranged, uh, long range damage, and I really like those two characters. And I think my favorite centaur uh, was Pale. Did you use him? I never used Pale. Oh wow, no. that guy's um, a truck. He's really? awesome. Huh? Yeah, yeah. He he's really good. He he actually had uh, I can't think of what was the last the last lance you get. What's it called? Um, I know there's one called the, the cursed one's called the Devil Lance. There's yeah. one called the Valkyrie. Valkyrie, that's it. Yep, okay, he had yeah. the Valkyrie for me. And the cool thing about the Valkyrie is that it was it was a ranged weapon as well as a very yeah. good up close weapon, so it could be used I, either way. So I ended, I ended up giving that to Ken, which from from what I hear from you, I probably should have swapped Ken for uh, for Pell. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. So uh, any of you guys listening to this, we're giving you some good advice on who to put in. Just uh. uh just to touch back on uh on Lyle, I didn't actually use him when I first got him, but uh you're not gonna I, use a dude with a bazooka, man. What's well, wrong with you? Come on. Uh, I don't know. I was I was <laughs> trying to make the team I had work, and uh, I I recruited Lyle. I didn't use him, and then uh somebody I forget who it was, but somebody on my team just wasn't working out. So I was like, let me let me give Lyle a shot, and uh, so I brought him in. He was doing pretty well, but he unfortunately he was a little under leveled uh, yeah. by that time. So I. Had a little trouble kind of keeping him alive, but I wish I had used him as soon as I got him. Yeah, he, he ended up being a, a really good character. Yeah. Um, and, and one more I'll mention, cool animation um, and just a really kind of neat character. I really like Domingo a lot. Um, I think I'd mentioned this on the forums where somebody was, you know, was like, oh, make sure you do the egg quest and mm-hmm. make sure you pick that up and use Domingo. Was that one you used or kind of yeah, faded out that, on you? No, I used Domingo the whole time and... I feel like Domingo was almost a little unbalanced, like in a in a in a positive way, really, because sure. you know? he's like a essentially like a mage character, but he has this high defense. You know, he could take he can take the hits. Yeah, he could take a uh, beating unless it was casters. You know. Yeah, well, yeah, he took casters three... always do the same damage to everybody. It seems, I think. But yeah, yeah, D- Domingo was good to get places fast if you had to trans- get to somewhere quick. And traverse over like terrain that most people couldn't move on. Yeah, you could yeah. always get there with him, and uh, he could just sit up and take some damage for a while until your reinforcements could get in. So that was really nice. Kind of, kind of curious. Did you use, uh, did you use blue at all, the dragon? <sighs> yeah, I did for a while. I, I didn't do it enough to promote him, and even like starting out, the guy was like doing like one damage. To mobs, you know, I, I heard like Blue was like one of the the best characters, and I I tried to level him up. Like I I got him promoted, I got him a couple levels into the promotion. And he just wasn't working out. He just like you said, wasn't doing any damage. Yeah, um, yeah, he had to go. Unfortunately, yeah, but. yeah, for me too. But I mean, in in his in his people are listening to this podcast. I mean, it, what's cool? Something's really awesome about this game, and, and you may or may not agree with me. Is man, just the the types of characters now. Granted, there probably are too many centaurs. There's centaurs all over the place. But there's a werewolf. There's a jellyfish character. There is um, 
you know, a guy with a mechanical flying contraption on his back. Uh, there's a guy in a steam armor, a steampunk suit. Um, a guy with a bazooka, a dragon, a robot, a ninja, a samurai. I mean, for variety purposes, a monk. Um, this game sort of has it all. I mean, it's really cool. I mean, I thought that that was, you know, m most of your, you know, early RPGs, a lot of, you have a lot of humanoids and, and things of that nature, but it just seemed like, um, you know, they kind of broke the mold with this game. Yeah, you're probably not going to confuse a lot of these characters for each other, except for maybe a couple of the centaurs, but, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, they're, they're very unique. Uh, you get the, you even got the flying bird eagle yeah, guys. Yeah, eagle man, I yeah. Didn't really, didn't really use them, but, uh. No, oh, they, they were terrible. I used them at one point, yeah. and I'll talk about that later, but there, there's one battle I definitely used them in, but, um, other than that, no, they just, again, just another, just another group that started out way too weak. You know, yeah, just, just I wouldn't want to take the time to level. Yeah, they weren't doing a lot of damage, and they, you know, they couldn't take a lot of hits before dying. So their movement range was great. You know, they're flying characters, but uh, that's yeah, you got to have a little more than that to yeah. make make the cut. Absolutely, absolutely. So, yep, to get my investment, you're gonna have to like continually keep doing good damage. So, and uh, or either that or being able to take a pretty big hit. So, but um. Yeah, I mean, other than the uh, the playable characters in this game, I thought the um, I thought the NPCs in this game were kind of cool. Um, the different villages and stuff had their own sort of variety. You had a a water village. You had a village that was taken over by kids. Uh, you had a traveling village, right? <laughs> so, yeah, the the I guess the the, the wagons. <laughs> the, the the kid village would be like my my nightmare scenario. But, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you wouldn't want to be one of the few adults left behind just to sell weapons. <laughs> but it was funny. I was like, so there's all these kids in this village. Like, I'm like, why are there adults here selling me weapons? And sure enough, yeah, yeah. you talk to one of the NPCs and like, oh, well, you know, we had to leave a few adults behind, you know. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it, it's it's really funny. But they, they, they did a good job of kind of covering all their bases and, uh, you know, keeping the story moving along. Um, I, I didn't think the game, like, had an over abundance of NPCs. I think it had just enough to where when you went to a village, you didn't mind going around and talking to everyone. And conversations weren't really that long. So it, it never felt like, to me at least, I mean, you, you may feel differently. I, I never felt like I was really like spinning my wheels or wasting a lot of my time in villages. I, I always felt like it was kind of fun to go into a village and, and see kind of what was going on there, you know? Yeah, I, I tend to do that in RPGs anyway, try to talk to most or all of the NPCs and this game like you said there weren't there weren't that many NPCs in the towns and they didn't have these long drawn out bits of dialogue mm -hmm. it was pretty pretty quick to go through and just see what I, they all had to say yeah yeah and uh, one of the special NPCs in the game which you meet fairly early is the friar um in each town you you always attempt to find the friar uh, because that's that's the guy where you're going to save your game um, he also revives people who've died in fights. He removes any debuffs or any cursed items as well, right? And uh, he's also, his fourth job is basically to promote players, which we, we talked about a little bit. Um, once your characters sort of get to level 10, you can promote them, and um, which is a pretty cool thing. Um, not only do they become... Um, 
have the ability to get stronger and use better weapons that are found throughout the game. But man, what about the change in sprites going from the original sprites when you first get characters to getting them promoted? Yeah, a lot of the promoted ones are a lot lot cooler than the original ones. And some of them actually get uh, new portraits. Oh, yeah. Um, just, just a few of them, but uh, I think uh, I think Xylo is one. Yeah, Max definitely does. Max definitely was. Well, maybe maybe not Xylo, but Blue does the dragon, which mm-hmm. we didn't use anyway. But uh, yeah, a few of them, not many, but it's it's cool. Like Max looks way cool. He almost he reminds me kind of uh, he looks like um Luke Skywalker from Return of the Jedi <laughs> with that black suit. And if you have the Chaos Breaker, which is green like the lightsaber, <laughs> looks just like Luke Skywalker. Second Star Wars reference this episode. <laughs> <laughs> So, so yeah, I mean, yeah, obviously, I mean, I mean, obviously that whole idea of light and dark, you know, it, it, it's found throughout, you know, stories. So, yeah, I mean, to compare this game to Star Wars is, isn't very, a, a big stretch, right? But, but yeah, just kind of going back to the promotions and the sprites, I mean, they did a, such a great job of like making the promoted sprites look so awesome, you know, and, and, and so much more spectacular than the original ones. And they changed the sprites not only on the battle screen, but uh, but also on the just uh, you know your regular uh, strategy screen, you know where you're where you're walking around uh, your grid. Uh, so so there's there's always a noted difference in the way um, characters look when they're promoted, which I which I thought was just uh, just a really really nice touch that they they made that much effort and. Um, I think the sprites in this game are just absolutely gorgeous. Now, I, I may be a little bit biased. I did play this on the Retron, so I'm, I'm sure the graphics were enhanced from what they were on the Genesis. But, y- you know, I mean, I'm sure it uses basically the same graphics. And uh, even though the colors might be a little bit more vibrant on my Retron, um, I can imagine like back in the day seeing this and being like, wow, this is cool, you know? Yeah, I guess I don't feel like the, uh, like, like the, uh, strategy screen sprites are uh too spectacular i mean they, they look they look good but sure. uh it's kind of kind of what you're used to seeing from these uh you know 16-bit era rpgs but i really do like the uh the battle animations the way it sort of uh you know when you attack an enemy it goes into this separate animation you actually see your character you know attacking the enemy um yep. i think uh there some some strategy games like these uh don't don't do that Mm-hmm. So it's nice that this this one does uh, just just adds a lot to the battles, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely, and and it, it's you know as as well as the sprites and something that I was going to get to later, but I'll talk about it now. The environments in this game are beautiful. I mean, the backgrounds and stuff. I mean, they they change with the terrain. Everywhere the terrain changes, the backgrounds are different. And uh, yeah, it's um you know there's a lot of love put into this game, a lot of thought. Um, you know, just. I, I don't know. I mean, a lot of people may not think about something like that as being important, but to me, again, it's the uh, little things, you know, and um, that that that's just one of them. I thought the environments are just completely amazing in this game. Yeah, it's really nice that, you know, depending on the terrain you're on, that you get a different background in the battle animations. That, uh, you know, like you said, they could have went, went the cheap route and the easy route and not put so much effort into it, but... They did, and it, it really adds a lot to the game. Yeah, yeah. Just a lot of little things. Yeah, yeah. So, 
we'll talk now to kind of move on from the characters and talk a little bit about the the items and the equipment and um, you know sort of upgrades in this game, which are very very few, not um, not extraordinarily complicated or complex. It's not like you're playing Parasite Eve. Uh, <laughs> hey, look at that! I went back to another playthrough game. <laughs> two times in one episode and two Star Wars references. Awesome. So I, I think one of our members, uh, Shaggy, who I said had been writing a lot about this game, is really into this game and just really happy to see someone like that on our forums uh, writing. I think he kind of nailed a lot about um, sort of what, and I sort of agree, and you, you may disagree on some of this, but sort of what the, what issues that kind of stand out are things that, that I don't really care for in the game or thought could have been done a little better um he wrote um and i'm just going to quote him here some annoyances in the game that i found is the lack of any description for items does the manual say what each item is another thing is when buying weapons there is no indication of who can use the weapon or how much better worse the same it is although that was typical for games like this around that time last is you can only carry four items I find these chests, and I have to constantly give items to other, other characters. And when you back out of that menu, you have to start the uh, holy selection process again. Annoying. And then he writes, I still love this game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that that's all, you know, very true. Like the, I would say that's one of the weak points of this game is the... The, the item system and mm-hmm. the, even the menu system I, I remember telling you that that that's going to be like the hardest probably the hardest thing you're going to have a hard time adjusting to is this, yeah. this kind of convoluted menu system the mm-hmm. game has yeah I, I think to me it was a little aggravating at first figuring it out but once i got the menu system down pat like how to like you know okay go to item give or go to item um you know equip um, you know, once I figured out like what side everything was on, it kind of became second nature. Once I got used to it, you know, it was like, oh, yeah, you know, and I got really fast at it. Um, one of the things he mentions is is sort of like the, um, I guess the um, the inventory system where all, each character can only carry four things, and that includes everything that character is equipped with, wielding, mm-hmm. or you know, like a ring or something like that. So you can't really carry a lot with characters. My issue with the game was not so much that you couldn't carry a lot. I didn't mind moving inventory. What what really got me was when I was moving Max around separately, if his items would be full, that it, like you could not pick up something else. Yeah. Um, like it wouldn't just like default and go in someone else's bag. You know how like a lot of RPGs do that? They have that little... Um, uh, mechanic that will do that will just throw it in another bag. If it would have done that, I would have had no problem yeah. with the game. Well, let me say something that's gonna make you very happy. Okay, Sonic Force Two does that. Oh, nice. See, yeah. So you pick up an item. If his inventory, your main character's inventory is full, it just puts it in the next character slot. See, they figured it out. They yeah. learn from their mistakes, and that's why we love people that make video games. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean. Some other things that he hit, like uh, buying weapons, who can use that weapon. I think, uh, and I had mentioned this on the forum, when you when you buy a weapon, it, um, you can just put it on a guy, and um, the shopkeeper will say, well, are you sure you want this weapon on this person? They can't use it. You still want to buy it anyway. And you can still back out. I mean, you have plenty of time to back out before you spend your money, and you have an overabundant amount of money anyway, but... Um, 
they they kind of shopkeepers kind of clue you in on who can use what. And I think if you've played enough RPGs, um, you know you can really I don't want to say it's common sense, but you can kind of deduce like who's going to be able to use what, right? Yeah, I mean it's pretty not 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 much in the way of surprises. I guess yeah. The the biggest thing is that maybe once you start getting to the higher level weapons and if you have characters that aren't promoted then they can't use those weapons. Sure. sure. So I guess it's, I guess it's nice to 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 know that the for the shopkeeper to tell you that hey this character can't use this weapon, but yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, there'll be someone that can, but you know, they might not be in your party. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so so yeah, um, so we talked about the inventory in the menu system, which was you know it's a little aggravating, but again you can kind of get used to it. Um, you just mentioned the weapon upgrades. Um, we mentioned a few of the special weapons. Um, there were different types of weapons, right? Uh, these sort of like legendary weapons, like the Valkyrie, and then there was the um, the Atlas, which was the axe. You said you had dropped Luke anyway, so you didn't really need but one Atlas, right? Right. That you could yeah. find in the case. Um, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Well, I was going to say, I still had, I found both, but uh, I didn't okay. have use for the second one. Sure, sure. That, which is pretty cool, right? I mean, y- you and I uh, kind of uh, worked together a little bit to figure out, like, there there weren't a lot of dropped items in this game. There, there are very few and far between. There's maybe, maybe just three maybe three or four at, at the most um maybe yeah uh, maybe even if that um, i mean i know and there's a, there's the heat axe and an atlas and yeah well uh, atlas was in a uh, treasure chest probably there were two atlases oh were there was there one another that one that dropped? dropped i think there's one that's dropped and one in the okay. chest okay okay uh, I, I only remember, found the one in the chest right. yeah and i was wondering like if you're if your tune who actually takes out that character who has the um who has that droppable item, has a full inventory, I bet you don't get the item. I bet they, they skip over that item because of that. So you almost want to have, like, one slot open, but, you know, is it worth it? Is it worth not taking, you know, like another healing seed or something like that into battle in order to leave that open? But we kind of figured out if you, if you miss those items, you could go back to the shop and you could actually purchase them, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I just now figured that out during this playthrough, too. Uh you know, I'd always wondered like what, what the rhyme or reason was for the mm-hmm. for the deals to show up, and sure. we were talking about it. And just sort of, you know, it just sort of clicked. You know, I, I'm pretty sure that's that's what it is. If you can't pick up a item that was dropped, then it's the vendor will have it. Yeah, I think I saw. I think one item was like the elven arrows, uh, which were for sale in other towns, and they ended up being a deal in one town. I think it might have been the last one um, at one point, but um, for the most part, it was the the items that you missed. Um, that did that didn't drop that you didn't get were the um were typically the deals in the town, which was you know it was pretty neat um but you know I, I don't know the 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 whole deal mechanic I mean I never did you ever find a deal for an item like a usable item no I don't think so yeah so I was I'm I was kind of like well I don't I don't know I mean it it sort of seemed tacked on and maybe pointless at point at times. Um, though, you know, when I didn't get the heat axe to drop, it was pretty cool, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. To, to use that. Um, some other cool things about the special items and like the heat axe, some of the items, um, you know, can only be like, as we know, a lot of the warriors, um, and a lot of your tanks, your, uh, melee hitters and some of your archers and stuff could not use, 
um, spells. I mean, they, they, they couldn't use magic. But um, you could actually, some of the weapons had casting abilities, which were pretty cool if you used them. Did you use any of those throughout the game? Well, I used the uh, the light sword and the chaos breaker uh, mm -hmm. yeah. very much at the end. And yeah. I, think I, I think I mentioned it on the forums, I actually ended up losing my heat axe. Because if you use it, you can't, I guess you can't actually break the, the light sword and the chaos breaker because they're essential story items. But the heat axe, I was using the, what is it, like Blaze 2 or something that mm -hmm. you can use with it. Yeah, you mentioned um, that. I used it once or twice and it said, you know, it, it started smoking. I was like, I was like, what does that mean? So I ended up using it again and it said it broke and it was just gone from my inventory. My so. heat axe is smoking? Let's use it again. <laughs> No, I well, mean, it's, it's, it's a heat axe. It's right, right. smoke. Yeah, you're just thinking, man, that's cool. It's smoking. It's getting ready just to light yeah. somebody up. You know, like, oh, it broke. <laughs> and you yeah. say, and you said that it moved out of your inventory, right? Yeah, it was just gone. Yeah. Completely. And, yeah, and that was another, like, mechanic, um, something they, that was in the game that I felt like was sort of tacked on, too, is this ability to repair weapons. I never repaired a weapon the entire game. Yeah. Never found anything that broke. But I'm assuming, and this is just assuming, and if anyone's listening to this and wants to comment on this, please do. But like you said, when you said that your heat axe started smoking, maybe that was the point where it had broken. And so if you took it back at that point to repair it, it would have been fixed. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you're right. Because yeah. I had a had a ring that did the same thing. And uh, it started, I used it, it was like a defense ring or something. and mm -hmm. uh, Or attack ring or whatever. And uh, it started smoking, and I, I was able to repair it, okay. uh, just like you said. Okay, so. so you did do that. All right, good. Yeah. Mystery solved. Yeah. Wonderful. All right. All right, so um, let's see. We talked about rings a little bit, um, you know, just kind of give you different abilities in the game. Uh, you, no armor in the game, uh, so you don't have to deal with that, which, eh. Just... Unless you count a bikini and a mini dress. Oh, of course, the bikini and the mini dress, <laughs> which will bring apart a funny story. Um, my, my daughter, as a lot of you had seen, loved to watch me play this game and was taking like copious, thorough notes, if any of you have been on the forums, to read my seven-year-old daughter's notes about this game. And she, as in all games, is always really fascinated with the female characters and always has this sort of girl power um, sort of uh, view on the girls and would say, oh, you know, look at these girls like casting and look how much damage they're doing. And she was, she was really pumped, you know, about, um, let's see, who are the two caster, female casters? It's Tao and, uh, what's the other? Uh, Henri. 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 Yes, Henri. And so, um, so she, she was watching me play and she was really pumped about that. And so I played the game when she wasn't around for a little while, and I found the bikini and the miniskirt, uh, which was part of our, again, achievements for the month. Um, and I tacked these items onto these girls. You know, just, you know, you find something like that. This is a new game. You're going to just test it out and everything. My daughter came back, and my daughter was like, Dad, what is she wearing? Is she in her underwear? <laughs> and I thought to myself, all right, I got to change this back. <laughs> Which is just a, just hilarious, you know, that, you know, she, she picked it up and noticed it and completely shamed me that, um, you know, that I was using, for whatever reason, a, a you know, a Sprite that was basically in her underwear. But uh, 
the 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 actual action screen sprite um that wasn't the case, right? The, yeah, the robes change. are still on. That doesn't change. It's just like a little, a little thing that you do, uh, you know, for your little icon uh, that moves about the, uh, you know, the strategy screen. So, but, but again, kind of a funny story um, about. Uh, and, and I promised I would talk about the uh, bikini on this podcast. So there. <laughs> <laughs> and there's several other useless items that you can get in the game that I have no idea. No one. No one's ever found out, uh, like the rifle. No one can use that. Um, you know, just just random items that no one can use. So I, I don't know. It's a little bizarre, mm, but I guess uh, if I had to guess, I'd say it's probably things that were put in the game and just weren't quite finished. You know, they never really programmed an actual sure. function for them. So sure, that was that'll be my guess. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a great point. So, but anyway, um, yeah. Kind of moving on, um, I know I know we we kind of mentioned the different healing items. There was the herb, the healing herb, and the healing seed. Um, healing herb became useless after a few battles because it only healed for like what seven to ten or something like that. It's really bizarre. Yeah, yeah. And then the healing seeds um, um, were were pretty good. Um, I used them throughout most of the game. I mean, I, I went to town and would just load up two each character with two healing seeds. And if they weren't healing themselves, they were healing somebody that was getting hit. You know, someone would take a lot of damage. So, because I basically mm-hmm. ditched my healers. I think we both did. Well, I, I tried to use Chris for most of the game, which was a mistake. I should have dumped her long before I, I did. I didn't dump her until I got to Rasu near the end. But I kept feeling like I needed to have a dedicated healer. Yeah. And I'm going to level her up at any cost. And it just, I never even got to promote her. Yeah. 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 But. I, I never promoted any of my healers. You know, like you said, you know, you got uh, Tarasu at the end, and I did use him for end game, but that was that was about it, yeah. just because of his ability to to do mass heal, mm-hmm. uh, which was which was really super nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess the other item was the wing item, and never really understood that since you could cast with your uh, with Max to escape any battle that you needed to escape if you wanted to, or you could just run. I think we figured out, what, four ways to escape battle. <laughs> Did we do that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, one of our player, one of our participants found uh, found these out. Yeah. Uh, very humorous way. Yeah. <laughs> you want to explain that? Yeah, so our, our, our guy Neo, he, uh, he was just saying, hey, what is this... Uh, Angel wing do. Uh, I forgot what he said, what he thought it might do, but he was yeah. like, well, let me just see what it does and escape the, the escape the battle. In the middle of the battle, yeah. And then uh, I think he said uh, he was about to finish that same battle when he went back to it. And he's uh, he's like, well, I got this cool ability called Egress. It looks like some kind of cool jumping ability. Let me see what it does. And, <laughs> yeah, uh, the battle. Yeah, yeah. And then... uh. Of course, you said you could just uh, walk for, out of the battle. Yeah. You know, yep. And then I actually, on the final battle of the game, I was, it was down to the wire too on Dark Dragon, the final head. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was, I had four guys left. It was down to the wire. It was going to be a close fight. And I was like, well, I need every advantage I can get. So Gort has this speed ring equipped. Let me just use it and give somebody a little speed bonus because it's better than, you know, I'm sure it's better than not having the speed bonus. Mm-hmm. So I use it, and of course, using the speed ring casts egress. Of course, oh, so, uh, I ended okay. up warping myself out of the battle right at the <laughs> very end of the final battle. Uh, but, uh, 
which wow. is funny because I did that right after making fun of Neo. Uh, so I kind of, I was like, well, I probably deserve that. <laughs> and you can, you guys can make fun of each other in person now. So. That's right. <laughs> yep. Oh, all right. So we'll talk up a little bit about uh, moving on from items. We'll talk a little bit about the enemies and sort of the bosses um, in the game. Uh, I'd mentioned earlier that one of the things I really liked about this game was just the variety of enemies. Um, and it seemed like through the game that you you really got um, a variety throughout. Nothing was really ever reused. You know, you, with a lot of RPGs, you'll you'll get like what's a good one? Okay, well with Dragon War, you get like a ghost, a specter, and a poltergeist. And with all of those, with all of those enemies, it's the same. It's the same animation. Uh, the same sprite, just different colors, you know. Yeah, yeah. This game had that a little bit, but not sure. not a lot. I mean, it, I mean, even up to like the final battles, you were still seeing new, unique sprites being introduced, Absolutely. which is really cool. Yeah, you know, yeah. Most of these uh, older RPGs, they uh, they're kind of by that time they're just recycling the old ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You, and you didn't see it. You did see it a few times. You're right. You did. Um, it wasn't a lot though, um, but you would just get a, a good variety of enemies that you know had different abilities, um, had different ways of attacking, and I thought um, I think they did a heck of a job in that, um, and and something that was very important and something that they probably saw from other earlier RPGs that you know probably bored them you know quite a lot, you know, and that was you know it's just something that was really common in early RPGs and. You know, you just really didn't have to reinvent the wheel. You just changed the color and up the stats, right? So <laughs> it was yep. an easy thing to do. Um, another thing about the enemies and, and things of that nature, and something a lot of people spoke about was the uh, the evasion in the game. Um, there's yes. quite a lot of evasion in this game. Um, and, and I don't mind that in an RPG. Um, but um, at times... I, I missed one. I know I missed eight times in a row at one point. This one mob, and I believe it was a um, uh, like a chimera. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I missed eight times, and then the blue dragons were somewhat hard to hit too at points. Yeah, I found that it was seemed like it was more common for the flying enemies to evade. Mm, at, yeah. at least that's the way I it, the way it worked for me. Yeah, started um, out with a, the bats. Yeah, I had a really hard time with the chimeras too. Um, there was I was getting really frustrated with it, mm-hmm. um, and you know sometimes you'll you'll go into attack an enemy and they'll miss the they'll miss and then they'll get like a second strike in that same animation. And you're like, oh. okay, well here they, they're gonna actually do it this time, so it's fine. And they still miss. Right. And I'm like I'm like come on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. It was, yeah. It was really frustrating. Yeah, and and you brought something else up. It was pretty cool in this game. Is the double attacks. Mm-hmm. Um. You, you could get double attacks on enemies, but vice versa, they could get double attacks on you sometimes. And sometimes it would wipe out one of my characters, you know, you know, could, I had characters that could only take like one hit might have to heal or back up. But if a double strike came in, um, you know, that, that could end your battle right there. Yeah, it was, I think it was like the third battle of the game. Um, my main character was, he wasn't really up on the front lines, but one of those, uh, night centaur guys, the enemies just came in 
Mm-hmm. Did a double, did a double attack and wiped him out. Uh, he had full health and everything. Just, just wiped him out. So either, you know, that was battle lost for me. Yep. Just on what on something that really felt like a lot like uh, chance. Uh, and I felt like the enemy unit seemed to have much better luck than I did when uh, <laughs> they came to those things. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but yeah, uh, I, I think as I told someone on the forums, like you can't evade magic. And so I think this yeah. was sort of, this was sort of, I think the intent was that you would use your casters a little more on some of these mobs. Uh, and, and that was probably the intent, but, you know, honestly, when you've got like a Camara with, um, I don't know how many hit points they had, like 60, 65, and, and, and you're using a caster that's taken off like 7 to like 15 damage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, it's, you know, that that's just not the way to go about it, you know, so it was a little, it was a little unbalanced in that, in that way, and especially with, with the evasion. And, and, and yeah, your characters would evade sometimes, but, um, you know, not a whole lot, so. You know, uh, I used I used Hanzu um, at the end of the game, and he actually has a spell called Desoul, oh. which is like an instant kill spell. Oh wow! But the thing is, it it actually can miss, and it, it or maybe not maybe not necessarily miss, but it doesn't work every time. Okay. So, yeah. Of course, of course, it, it probably it maybe works like a quarter of the time or something. Yeah. I so I never used that spell of his. Didn't realize he had it, but I did have it used on me. And yeah. never hit, but I I did have it used on me several times. I saw it. I was like, "Whoa, what is that?" It's like some like yeah. little ghost animation or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, yep. it's like a like a Grim Reaper type thing. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, the little Grim Which, Reaper. Uh, yeah, yeah, and I was actually hit with it a couple times. Oh, so, yeah. Huh. I can't remember. I think Kane had that. I want to say maybe. That. I'm not sure. I mean, I, I mean, I think there might have been just. Some regular enemies that had it, oh, wow. not necessarily bosses, but I I could be wrong. I don't remember specifically which enemies had it. Yeah. Well, talking about the enemies and talking about some of the bosses that we just discussed, um, there were some tougher boss battles. I thought a lot of the boss, some of the boss battles were much tougher than others. Uh, I don't know if you'd agree with that or, you know, ha- ha- what you thought about some of the boss battles. I'd like I'd like to hear your thoughts on that. Oh yeah, some were definitely tougher than others, and the bosses for the most part, got really difficult because, uh, like we talked about, some of them have really high evasion rates, so they were hard to hit. Mm-hmm. And then they could also, most of the time, they would regain health yeah, regenerate. every turn. So that made them very difficult. And I, in particular, had a hard time with the Mashela battle. Uh, mm-hmm. pretty l- late in the game. Oh, yeah. Because she's, where she's positioned, only one melee unit can get in and attack yep. her. Mm-hmm. And he he would miss almost all the time. And in fact... One time she actually put him to sleep, so he was just useless for like five turns. And then, you know, I've got my ranged guys trying to hit her, but they're doing like one damage. And I've got spellcasters trying to hit her, but they can only do so much damage before they run out of uh, magic points. And it was, that battle was a nightmare for me. Yeah, that's the one battle I remember distinctly. I did beat her the first time I fought her, but I had Xylo at the front. The only reason I beat her. And I kept losing melee guys. The only reason I beat her is because I got a double attack with him at some point. I mean, she still had yeah. like 30-something uh, hit points. And I knew, I, I knew that she was going to heal. 
And um, I, I ended up getting a double attack and just squeaking right by that battle. I couldn't believe it. And I was like, oh, if that, if that's that hard, then I can't imagine like what just the regular mobs are going to be like going forward. <laughs> You know, but, but, but it wasn't, I mean, it was just that battle for me. It was, for me, it was, I had a problem with the casters, you know, those were the, Mm -hmm. those were the toughest battles for me. Anything that had like casting mobs that would attack, you know, multiple, uh, multiple characters. I mean, that, that marionette that I was talking about from the uh, circus tent, um, that battle was the one that I actually had to grind for. You know, to finish that battle, and um, you know that, yeah, the hit point regeneration. It, you know, it was it was fine, but man, sometimes it was just annoying. You know, to to get that that character like down to like ten, and then look up the next round, and they've got like forty something hit points. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. Actually, for that for the Michelle battle, I actually had to cheat a little bit, and I actually grabbed the light sword during the battle. Uh, I don't I don't think you're really supposed to do that, but I grabbed the light sword and I was using it to cast, uh, was it Bolt 2, I think. Okay. Uh, so that, that helped a lot. That's not cheating, it's within the game. Well, I, well I, the negative consequence of that was that uh, I couldn't loot all the other chests after the battle. Oh, really? So I kinda, there was maybe a couple of good items. <laughs> I think there might have been one of those Shower of Cures, which oh, wow. heals a lot of HP for everybody. Wow, OP. I just, dude. Just, had to, just had to miss <laughs> out on it. Yeah, OP. I think it heals all of your damage for every party. It might. And you uh, can use that anywhere. I don't think you have to be right. in a certain group. I think it, it, heal, yeah, it heals everybody. Yeah, yeah. On the map. Yeah, that was amazingly overpowered. But I think you only get like three in the entire game. You don't yeah. you don't get many, and yeah. you can't buy that as an item. Yeah, so, it'd be nice if you could. But. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> yeah, May, maybe make the game a little bit too boring if you could. Yeah, maybe it'd be too easy. And um, one of the battles, um, I went into detail about one of the specific battles. I was, I was, I was really concerned that um, I, I'd heard a lot on other forums and stuff and things I had read about one of the battles that, that comes early on in Chapter 3, which was the Laser Eye battle. And I would heard that um, a lot of people were really frustrated with that battle, couldn't figure it out. Um, and it is a... Um, it, it's it's a different battle. It's very distinct, I would say. And you have to approach it in a certain way. You know, with a little bit of patience, a little bit of drawing out characters. I mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe you went about the battle in a completely different way than I did. Um, I, I didn't have a lot of trouble with it, but you know, I've, like I said, I've played the game before, so I kind of knew what to expect going into mm-hmm. that one. Right. Um, I know there's a part on that land bridge where, um, there's like two little sections coming out of that land bridge where, mm-hmm. uh, you can position it, uh, your, your units. Mm-hmm. And I thought they would be safe in that area. And I think they are safe in, in one of them. There's a piece coming from the bottom and a piece coming out the top and, I think uh, the piece at the top, uh, your enemies can still be hit by the laser. I didn't yeah. know that. I had, I had units positioned in both yeah. uh, places, and so but it, it didn't really, uh, you know, cause me to lose the battle. But uh, a little disappointing. I thought I was safe there, but yeah, I mostly just kind of hung back with my slower characters until the first uh, time it fired, and kind of moved my faster characters up. Um, to like that midpoint where there's, there's that safe spot and yeah. Um, after it fired, I just sort of went in for the kill. Yeah. Well, you say safe spot, but 
I don't know this is completely safe. There's a lot of ranged attackers on that ledge right below you, so you have to be really careful yeah. right there. Um, yeah, I, I specifically tried to put a range, one of my ranged guys there mm-hmm. so I can try to take him out. But Yeah. Yeah, so it's um it's an interesting battle. It's one of the more strategic battles, I think, in the game. And for it to be, I think most people's complaint is not that it's overly difficult, but that you have to use so much strategy so early on, you know. Uh, but, but again, I mean, to me, it was one of these things where it was very well thought out um, and, you know, different. It was different from anything you had you had done that far, and it, and it made the game, to me, more interesting, and it built on that storyline of, um, you know, that, that item, you know, that, that laser eye, so you actually had to take it out, which was, which was pretty cool, so I yep. thought it was a really neat part of the game. Um, we would be remiss, and you and I were talking before the call about this, we're trying to f- put this in pieces together, but we would be remiss if we didn't talk about the Kane storyline a bit, so... I'm going to leave that to you. (laughs) Yeah, there's a little bit of a story that's missing from the North American version of the game. It was just sort of lost in translation or something. I'm not sure what happened, but uh, I guess the first little bit of information is that the the backstory on Max, your hero, it doesn't really explain who he is, but he's sort of just this amnesiac character who was found washed up on a beach nearby uh, Guardiana, I guess, which, of course, which classic RPG wouldn't be complete without a amnesiac uh beach, main, uh, beach hero <laughs> yeah <laughs> but uh and, and then the other big thing was that uh max and kane are actually brothers what? which uh yeah the game kind of <laughs> just leaves that out i guess but uh yeah they're you they're think that might be pretty important brothers. to the plot why would you leave that out i mean they do look the same their sprites are pretty much the same once kane's uh helmet is split right mm-hmm yeah very much alike so but yeah I, I don't know why they got lost in translation and you did mention that there was like there's probably like some little piece where it kind of draws that in but I, 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 I wasn't able to find it yeah I I don't remember myself but I just uh, I when I was like kind of pulling up all this information I I read that there is a I think it is Maybe the part where you fight Kane, I think he actually mm-hmm. says something to that effect. Kind of alludes to the fact that they're brothers, but uh, I didn't see that. Uh, I rewatched the video and everything. I was I like went back through and rewatched the videos. I'm like, did I miss something? Because people were talking like on the phone. Oh, well, there's people that played before. Oh, there's this great plot twist, you know. And I'm mm-hmm. like, where? When's this plot twist gonna kick in? You know. So. Yeah, I yeah, I never felt like there was a much of a plot twist, but no, uh, no, yeah. It's kind of a straightforward game. I mean, Kane just seemed like a, you know, just a, you know, hero who had been controlled and manipulated and, you know, mind controlled and, you know, um, you know, had joined forces with you, you know, shortly. But, um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's how I thought of it. I, I, I didn't put that together at all, but apparently it is in the, uh, the Japanese, uh, version of the game. So interesting and, to know. And I believe this information was restored in the Game Boy Advance remake. Ah, uh, Okay. Okay. I'm not I'm not 100% sure about that. So just another reason to keep a lookout for that Game Boy Advance card, right? Yep. Yep. Right. Well, we talked a bit about um, the environments. We talked a little about the artwork and the sprites and things like that. And you're welcome to touch back on that if you'd like to. But I was going to kind of move on and talk a little bit about the music in the game. Um, uh, And I'll, I'll get your... Are you going to say something? Sorry. Well, uh, that's one thing I think we did. I, I wanted to 
sure. ask you about the the terrain is that did you um notice how there was like a percentage on certain terrain types oh sure sure the land it said land effect i saw it i didn't know what it meant but i saw it i think it, it <laughs> if i because i had to look it up but i think it actually um like say for example if you're sitting on a, a mountain area and it says land effect 30 percent yeah and i think that serves as sort of a cover where you only take it it's either i think it's you would take uh hmm. it, it sort of works as like 30 percent defense so you only take like 70 percent of the damage you would normally take hmm. so that's interesting yeah. but parts yeah. like that did it have did those parts have anything to do with movement I thought that like you were constrained yeah. with your movement a bit too. I thought yeah, that's what were, the percentages definitely. had to do with, but that's what I thought at first too. Yeah. But I read that it, had, it was sort of like a cover sort of thing where you would take less damage. But yeah, definitely mountain areas and and woody forest areas. Um, most of your units could move through those Slow as moving. as well. Yeah, except for Zylo because he's a beast. Zylo Literally. and I feel like I think Guns was actually able to move through the oh, wooded okay. areas pretty pretty well okay. too. Okay. So there's just another reason to use him. Mm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, good. Well, thanks for bringing that up. Um, so we will move on to the music now, and um, I'll get your opinion on this. I'm going to read this. This is from uh, one of our members, Jerry Greenwood. Jerry did not join us for Shining Force. He he said, "Well, I'm not going to play." And then he saw us talking about. It. He's like, "God, I didn't realize this game. This game sounds great." He's like, "I'm gonna try to find a copy. I don't believe he was ever able to find a copy." Jerry, if you're listening, you gotta play this game, man. It's great. But he had mentioned something at the first um, when we sort of announced the game. He said the game's unbelievable. It probably doesn't hold up well today, but in my opinion, it's got one of the best soundtracks in video game history. So I'd I'd like to kind of get your thoughts on that. You know, I want to say when Jerry said that, he was talking about Fantasy Star 2. Maybe so. Okay. Yeah, I don't think he was talking about Shining Force. Okay. Because <laughs> uh, I think somebody else had mentioned Fantasy Star. And, You're probably uh, right about that. I might have missed but, putting him out of context there. Sorry, Jerry. <laughs> we, we, we know how Jerry loves his uh, Fantasy Star. Yeah. Um, my opinion on the music, I, you know, it's not the best soundtrack I've ever heard, but, uh, it's, it's still pretty good. It's a little, little catchy melodies that get a little, yeah. little stuck in my head now and then. Yeah. Um. A little repetitive. <laughs> a lot, yeah, a lot be. repetitive. Like the actual, the main battle music wasn't my, really wasn't my favorite track, but I like some of the, uh, more boss fight mu- tracks they had. Um, like some of the, like the battle music was different for some of the more important fights in the game. I usually liked most of those. Um, you know, the, the town themes were kind of upbeat and cheery. Yeah. 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 I, uh, I, I think I, um, probably carry my wife's sentiments on the music for this game. I was playing this downstairs as she was, uh, sometimes when I'm playing, you know, if I can play downstairs on our, our big TV and I'll play my Retron or my PS3 and, um, my, my wife, you know, she'll read as I'm doing it, and, um, you know, just being in the same room's kind of nice, you know, when you're, when you're gaming and stuff, to have your loved one who doesn't care anything about video games around you, um, and she looked at me at one point, and she said, can you please turn that damn music off? <laughs> she's like, it's not that it's bad, she's like... It's just so repetitive. It's the same music. And so, and so, of course, I did. I mean, this is not a game where, you know, music is anything that's essential. It's, it's very yeah. turn-based. So, but, yeah, I, I'm, uh, 
And and again, I apologize for for misquoting Jerry there. If he indeed was talking about Fantasy Star too, but um, I I do, you know, I, I do think the music in this game could have been a lot better. It's 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 pretty dull, um, t- to be honest. But you know, at the same time, um, you know, it, it's 1993, um, and you know, I I can give it a pass for that. You know, music's not mm-hmm. one of those things that, you know, and basically until we get to the CD era that, that you know, that I'm, you know, I'm kind of super critical on, you know. I mean, and don't get me wrong, there's some games that have classic soundtracks. I mean, Mega Man 2, which we're going to be playing next month, is, is one of my favorite uh, music scores of all time. I mean, just, just every stage is this amazing, like, 8-bit techno that it's just you know so well defined but uh we'll save that um but yeah again you know not overly impressed with the music so. yeah i i i kind of agree with that I and mean, at least it is very repetitive and i didn't i didn't hate the music um but like i said not my favorite i, I liked it more than paper mario which sure just 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 to bring it back again <laughs> bringing it back bringing it all back yeah. <laughs> all right so I, I wanted to kind of talk a little bit about tactical RPGs, of course, and I'd mentioned, I've never played one before, but sort of the um, more famous, like, tactical RPGs, um, you know, of the 16-bit era, where um, these came out in Genesis, uh, Warsong, Langrisser, I believe is how you pronounce them, sorry if I'm butchering that, in 91, uh, Master of Monsters, 1988 in Japan, and 1991 in the U.S., uh, Ogre Battle, March of the Black Queen in 1993. So just to give you some context of other things with tactical RPGs that were going on during this time. Um, one of the more prominent RPGs um, th- that came out actually on the Famicom, um, which unfortunately, no idea why we did not get this in the U.S., but Fire Emblem, um, now a very uh, popular series, came out in 1990 on the Famicom, actually two Different versions of Fire Emblem came out. I think the other came out in 92. It was developed by Intelligent Systems, which was owned by Nintendo. So why would they not bring it over here? I guess they didn't think North American audience was ready for a tactical RPG. Um, Fire Emblem kind of didn't even gain popularity until 2003 with um, Super Smash Bros. Melee. And that's when the characters, um, as we all know with the Amiibos, uh, the old character Marth, who was in the first release of Amiibos, which is really hard, a difficult one to come by, um, he is the character in Shining Force, and I believe the other character's name was Roy. I, I don't know if you know a lot about the Shining Force series, or Sm- Super Smash Brothers Melee. Uh, but these characters were put in the game. You've got all these people from North America like, who the hell are these characters? Um, but Japan... Um, um, developers in Japan wanted these characters in the Smash Brothers games, and so the you know the Fire Emblem series kind of hit sort of a revival. But the reason I wanted to talk about it is because Fire Emblem is this sort of basically is known as sort of like the father of that turn-based strategy game. And, and I watched a little video. It's it's a little different than Shining Force in that you don't really control other than Marth. Your units tend to be um, 
not individuals. Like in Shining Force, you know how you, you control individuals in your unit. Your units tend to be like armies and things like that. So you'll have like a cavalry or, um, you know, a foot soldier or different different types of lords, um, you know, different types of art, artillery and, and things like that. Does that does that make sense? Uh, I think I see what you're saying. Yeah, uh, that, that, that might. Maybe that's true for the very first one, but I feel like there's yeah. a couple that I have played, and I don't think they were like that. Okay, okay. Yeah, the, the, I'm talking about like the Famicom version of it. Yeah, yeah so yeah. maybe that one was like that. Yeah, it was. And yeah, um, so that's a little bit of the difference in sort of those earlier um, Genesis titles like, um, I know, Warsong and Master Monsters were basically the same thing. And I think Ogre Battle, I've not played Ogre Battle games, but I think they're made up sort of that way too. You may have some individual characters but they're typically made up of like armies of, um, you know, just sort of basic or standard type characters with different abilities like archers and artillery and things like that. So um, Fire Emblem was important, but I, but the reason I bring that up is because with Shining Force, it's kind of one of those games I feel like uses individual characters in a tactic-based strategy game. Uh, so it kind of blends those two worlds of like your Final Fantasy where you've got the individual characters but you attack as a group to um, to uh, Fire Emblem where you've got these you know different units that move on their own and gain experience in their own way as well. So um, I think Shiny Force is kind of the, the child of, of, of that, if you will, you know, an, an early example of, um, you know, kind of blending these ideas together, which was kind of nice. So, and, and I just wanted to mention that. And, and I wanted to like kick it over to you, Steve. I know you've played a lot of tactical RPGs, um, maybe some later ones. And, uh, you know, just kind of get your thoughts on that and comparing Shining Force to, you know, some of the things that were released later. Yeah. Well, I guess, I guess the first thing that comes to mind would be the sequel, Shining Force 2, which, um, it's pretty much more of the same. Like if you, you know, you play the first game, you'll feel right at home with the second um, you know, some, there's some slight improvements made, like we talked about passing items, uh, to another character when, when the main character's inventory is full, mm-hmm. um, you know, some improved in, enemy AI and things like that. Just some minor touches really. Um, and then I've played some of the Fire Emblem games. I played the one on Game Boy Advance and some of the one on GameCube. And, uh, they're pretty similar in a lot of ways to, uh, the Shining Force series, uh, I think one of the biggest differences is that when one of your characters dies in battle in Shining Force, you can have them resurrected uh, later. In F- the Fire Emblem games, there's a it's permadeath, so if they Ooh. die in battle, they're they're gone. Hmm. And like I believe Sui Coden then. Oh yeah, and uh, and I believe the last Fire Emblem game, Awakening on the 3DS, they actually introduced a casual mode where you can turn the permadeath off. Mm. Uh, but I don't know if I can bring myself to play casual mode. I, think I have a little <laughs> too much gamer pride. But <laughs> casual mode. <laughs> um, also, one interesting thing about the Fire Emblem games is it sort of has a rock, paper, scissors, uh, weapon, triangle mechanic where like some of your units have different weapons and so mm-hmm. like what uh, units who have axes will have an advantage over units with sure. spears sure. and spears have an advantage over swords and swords have an advantage mm-hmm. over axes. So that kind of brings another little interesting element of strategy to the game. 
something else we saw in Sui Code and with the um right. uh yeah. with those individual like uh, battles uh, mm-hmm. where like you know you you could use magic to take out like melee it was best against melee but magic wasn't effective against archers or right. you know, some some yeah. some form of that yeah yeah that's very similar uh, it's a very good uh comparison okay and i guess the last game i'd like to mention is uh final fantasy tactics which came out a few years later uh after Sh- the shiny force games uh i think one of the distinguishing things about it is that there's no there are no like battle animations like when you attack an enemy unit it just like your little sprite just what it brings his arm up and slashes down with a sword or something which i guess kind of streamlines it a little bit but i never liked that as much as the uh, like dedicated uh battle screen animation mm-hmm. uh, another interesting change is uh the final fantasy tactics game uses the job system which a lot of the earlier final fantasy games utilized as well okay um so pretty much most if not all of your characters could be assigned whatever class you wanted to assign them oh, uh, okay. so you could make them a black mage or you know a, a monk or a thief or an archer it's only and there was a lot of different jobs too you can assign them right and you can sort of mix and match a little bit with uh you know like if you gain some abilities in uh i'll say say black magic you could sort of carry some of those abilities over to another class and so you could change them to a knight and be like a knight with uh black magic Hmm. which is pretty pretty interesting there's a lot of customization with that okay but uh yeah i guess that's uh probably about as far as my my experience goes with this genre Okay, cool. Well, any final closing thoughts on the game? Um, I guess we should maybe talk about the ending a little bit, um, which I I thought was really well done. I, I don't know about you. Yeah, it was interesting. You uh, just you defeat Dark Dragon, and the little tower castle place sinks into the water, and everybody thinks your main character's dead, but you find out he's just been wandering with. He's he's wondering with Adam for some reason, which I thought was kind of weird. <laughs> I'm not really sure where that where that came from, but <laughs> or is it C3PO? Oh, third Star Wars reference. Oh, I... <laughs> Luke had his C3PO. <laughs> he did. Oh, I yeah, I didn't think about that. Yeah, he just sort of settles down somewhere and becomes a farmhand, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It's just interesting to see if that story will continue in, in the. Uh... Yeah, in, just, uh, in the other Shining Force game. Maybe there's a little cameo where you uh, find him in some village, some backwater village, uh, tending the crops. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I thought the ending was um, was pretty good. I mean, it was it was done well. Um, uh, you know, some interesting and uh, you know really neat animation. Uh, a good story, nice little wrap up of you know what was going on with some of the characters. You know, um, post. Um, you know the events of the game, so yeah, I, I thought it was good. It was, it wasn't, um, you know, it wasn't brief. It wasn't Karnov on the NES, which it says congratulations when you win. Um, so I, I thought they did a pretty good job with that. And uh, you know, when you put so much effort into an RPG, as as you know, most people do hours and hours. I, I think one of the things that's essential is to have a, a very satisfying ending. And and I thought it was, I thought it was satisfying. That was really well done. So, yeah, I agree. Okay, so um, in classic tropes and mechanics that I saw, um, I could not help but think about Sui Coden, um, when I would go down into the little the base, 
because there would always be like characters like sitting around. It was like it was like I was forming my own little castle or my own little room and you would have characters standing around and you could go up and talk to them and things like that after you had recruited them. Um so I, yeah. I thought that was pretty I thought that was pretty neat. It it reminded me of that a lot and you know, I, I didn't I didn't think about that while I was playing the game. Now that you mention it, it, it is very similar. Mm-hmm. Um and it's kind of the same same thing. And uh, Suikoden always really liked roaming the castle and seeing where all my uh, characters were mm-hmm. just standing around at, just right. you know, seeing what was going on. And I would do the same thing in, yeah. the, in the base. It was a lot smaller, but I would still like to see where the characters were sitting and uh, just where they were hanging out in there. Yeah, yeah, it was it was fun. And, you know, it was kind of like odd seeing the one standing on that big carpet or whatever, just standing in a line, you know, ready for battle. I, I kind of yeah. wish they were would, would all just be kind of scattered out, but you know that's I mean, a minor guess, that's a minor guess, thing. I guess they just wanted to keep them separate. It makes it easier to know who's who's uh in your main group. Yeah, because I'd just be I'll, I bet Gort's just over there chugging a beer. You know, but he's always yeah, in my group, yeah. so I'm never gonna find out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, just wanted to mention that you know one of the things I really really liked about this game is. And and I I touched on this briefly throughout the, our discussion, but just the, this the small things that were just so well done. I mean, yeah, I mean the item system could be a little bit annoying sometimes, but I thought it was really um, a pretty well done system once you you got used to it and the way the way it was set up. Uh, it, it made a lot of logical sense. I, I did like again the environments. I thought were great. I thought the um, um, you know, the hidden characters were really cool, you know, being able to find them. Um, sure. I mean, I used a guide, I'm not going to lie just because that's, that's who I am. I have to find all the characters when I'm playing a game, you know, it drives me nuts not to do that and have that sense of completion to do that. Um, but just that added on thing, I could imagine like playing it for the first time, not having a sort of walkthrough, um, with the, um, finding the characters. I can imagine how cool it would be to find like a new character and, um, you know, that wasn't a part of the storyline and, and use them in a game and, and gives it a little, you know, replayability um, to it. Um, y- you know, I, just just a lot of like, I, I don't know, I, I mentioned a few things again, but just a lot of small things that I thought were just really neat and that, that I thought that they had added to this game and uh, made it a lot of fun for me. So, yeah, this game that. A series really this game not so much but the shining force series since i played the second one when i was young I, it's uh kind of goes way back for me and uh, it was really really fun revisiting this uh this game this uh time and you know i really gotta say i uh i really like that you enjoyed it as much as you did because i know the first one mm-hmm. or two messages you, you sent me after you started the game you kind of seemed like you weren't really into it that much oh yeah and then yeah and you kind of came around and uh really really got into it uh, I think you had a hard time adjusting a little bit to the, I don't know, I remember you mentioning the, uh, like how you didn't like how your, uh, your characters gain experience individually sure. and not as a party. And sure. there was, I think there's some other couple little things that, mm-hmm. uh, you, you just weren't really, uh, expecting that, uh, when you first played it, it sort of didn't sit, sit well with you. Right. But after you sort of, you know, uh, got your head around it and, uh, you know, uh, I think you really started to get into this game, and I was really glad to see that. I was a little, little worried that you weren't going to have the best opinion about this game sure. uh, early on, but 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, it it threw me for a loop. You know, it it broke, it broke what I was used to. You know, yeah, it, yeah. it broke, it broke that kind of mold of what what I expect in an RPG. Um, and and I knew it might, but that was one of the things. The, the experience part was one of the things that I wasn't expecting. And I, and I think I said something about a few other things too. I, I do remember that message now. But. Um, but you're right. I mean, you just kind of, you kind of deal with it. You figure it out, you adjust and you just, you know, you press on and yeah, I mean, I I don't know, maybe, maybe a younger me wouldn't have had such a high opinion of the game and would have, would have maybe put the game down and just been like, ah, this is just, this is annoying. Um, you know, I, I just don't, I don't want to do this. I I don't want to go about it this way. I don't want to play this game, but, um, you know, I guess the older me is kind of like I, you know, I can really appreciate you know difference in games and things like that, and I'm I'm more certainly like more adaptable or or willing to adapt now, you know, that I've gotten older, and um, you know for that reason I I enjoyed this game immensely. Any anything else? Um, I I did I, I did want to say um well I'll let you go first. Anything else? Anything else you want to throw in about it? Um, no, I think I covered it. It's just a really good game, and I, I, I gotta say, I, I did actually enjoyed this playthrough more than I thought I would, since this was a replay for yeah. me. Like, I, I mentioned on the forum that I, since I played it before, I didn't really know if I was gonna, um, actually sit through the whole game again. Mm-hmm. I was just gonna, you know, play enough to get a feel for the mechanics again, maybe play a you know, a few chapters, and, you know, get a good feel for the mechanics, and then refresh my memory on the story, but it, you know, I started it up and I I couldn't put it down. I just uh, I think I think that says a lot about uh, just about how good this game is. Yeah. Well, isn't that always the case with um, with retro games that we played when we were younger? <laughs> I mean, don't we always say, you know, the, the one thing we worry about the most is that is this game going to hold up to what I remember when I was a kid? I mean, yeah, yeah. I I know Mega Man's going to hold up. I mean, that's just a game that I, I still go to, like, you know, once a year, and it'll be Mega Man 2. Uh, but, you know, some games, I'm like, you know, like Dragon Warrior, like, that was my jam as a kid. Like, I bought that game on release. I loved that game. I loved grinding, which is the weirdest thing ever for a kid to love. Um, but I love that game, but does it hold up today? I'm probably pretty afraid to go back and play it. You know, mm-hmm. having having played other things, um, I, I don't know, but but I'd like to kind of keep that memory of it being an awesome game. So, so I probably won't go back and play it anytime <laughs> soon. <laughs> yeah, just uh, let the let the good memories remain un, untarnished. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of our members, and uh, I think it might have been Shaggy. I'm not sure. Someone sent me a personal message and. I apologize, um, and I will make that correction in our next podcast if I am completely wrong about this. But one of our members um, mentioned something about um, one of the things that they really liked about some of our earlier podcasts is that we rated the games and we gave them some sort of rating, like out of one to ten. Um, and uh, so you know, we'll we'll honor that with this with this uh, episode and. Uh, Steven, you wanna you wanna go first? What do you think? Where would you put it up there? Hmm. I hadn't really thought about it. I'd probably place it maybe about give it about maybe an eight, eight point five. Yeah. 
ish. Uh, you know, it's really good. It has some some quirks that you know we're not absolutely in love with, but uh, it's a very good game. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that's a great place to put it. I'm not trying to be a yes man here. I mean, <laughs> I have my own opinion, but you know, I was thinking nine. I I I usually I won't give a perfect score on anything. It's just yeah. you know, um, you know, as people know, I'm a pinball collector and. You know, when when I rate something, I tend to underrate everything because, you know, expectation gets high if you rate something. I will not rate anything a 10. Uh, but I think that the, like you said, between an 8 and a 9 is a, is a really safe place and a good place to put this. Yeah, there's, there's a few problems, but this is a game that I would recommend to anyone who's even interested in playing a tactical RPG or who even, you know, has never played one. This would be the one I would say, hey, go play this. It's... This will give you a new appreciation of this genre. I mean, it certainly did, you know, to me. And, uh, you know, I have a few of these games in my collection that, that I haven't played yet. So, um, um, definitely, I think this was the this was the right sort of tactical gateway drug for me. So, really enjoyed mm-hmm. it. Yeah. So, and definitely going to play Shiny Force 2. That is on the radar. So, anyway. Well, thanks again, Stephen, for joining me this month. I really appreciate it. Uh, looking forward to our next month, our last month together uh, for another six months. Um, we're going to be playing in June. We're going to be playing Mega Man 2 and 3, as we mentioned. So anyone out there, please join rfgeneration.com if you're not already a member. Uh, come and find our forums under the community playthroughs and play some games with us. And let's talk about some games. Um, let's decide next month which one's better. Mega Man 2 or Mega Man 3. Thanks. Did we play a baby game for babies? Did you had you loaned out your copy of Dora the Explorer or what what what's going on with this game? I think we just wanted something that was very lighthearted and just fun and easy to play, especially after um we did a lot of real um uh intensive games and we've got another one coming up, so just this was a bit of a palate cleanser, I guess. That's true. Uh, and what the game we're talking about, our our modern game for the month of May, uh, was Kirby's Epic Yarn for the Nintendo Wii. And that was the game that I chose to host because, as Floyd uh, mentioned, we needed something a little bit fluffier for a change of pace. And I mean that as uh, a pun, mm-hmm. pun intended, and also just as a a lighter, easier game. Now, I need to clear the air of something right off the bat before we even start, and that is that it's a good thing that I picked a light and fluffy game because because of circumstances in my personal life, I don't have my Wii with me. I'm in the middle of moving a rather large distance, and my video game collection is in another state. 
So I was not able to play the game for the playthrough. However, I've played the game before. I loved it and I am going to be able to talk about it. It's just a lot of the intricacies are not going to be as fresh in my mind. And Floyd, that's where I'm going to need you to kind of help me out with this conversation a little well, bit. Well, it's not super in-depth, so you know, I don't exactly. I don't think there's any uh any really intricacies to this game. In, unless you, unless fair. you want to talk I, about collectibles or whatever right well let's well, I, let's just get into what the game is um i'm a huge fan of the kirby games actually uh kirby's adventure on the, the nes um uh is one of my favorite games of all time i i, I have beaten that game probably like 50 mm -hmm. times it's so it's a very good. good game yeah and most people know the kirby games as uh, Kirby is this pink cream puff type character who sucks up his enemies and then absorbs their powers. So if you um, suck up an, a knight with a sword, you get a sword and and so on and so forth. But in Kirby's Epic Yarn, they kind of change up the formula because in the story, we're going from, um, uh, from Dreamland to Yarn World or whatever it's called. Um, and Kirby actually becomes like made out of yarn mm -hmm. and instead of sucking stuff in you have like this yarn whip that you use to um to pull enemies towards you and and correct me if I'm wrong you don't absorb their powers or can you um uh, I think if there are enemies that have like spears or swords you can uh steal their yarn weapon and then throw it back at them but no there's okay. no like um, absorption of of uh, powers or abilities, right? So this was kind of a cool game because it's it's uh, a real change of the formula to what we know about Kirby. And this game was uh, the first mainline Kirby game in ten years. Wow, really? I didn't uh, know that. Yeah, Kirby sixty four and the Crystal Shards came out in the year two thousand, which is also a really good Kirby game. Um, Graphics are a little dated, as with most uh, 3D N64 mm -hmm. games, but that's a good one if if you can get your hands on it. Uh, so yeah, Epic Yarn came out in 2010, and uh, it was really uh, they changed up the mechanics in it, um, and we we have new graphics. Uh, this game definitely won't have to worry about aging poorly. That's a really good point. Um, and why don't we just go into the art style? Not only is Kirby made of yarn, but everything in the world is made of yarn, string, fabric, buttons, things you would find in an arts and crafts toolbox and zippers and all kinds of stuff. It's, it's a real cute aesthetic and it looks real. Like the graphics are so good. You know, we talk about technology a lot in our modern discussions and we talk about graphics and, you know, photorealism and everything. But but these things, they look look soft and plushy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it's it's amazing mm -hmm. what they were able to do here and the way you can manipulate the environments by pulling strings and it pulls the cloth up like a curtain and it rumples and all the, the shadows are are perfect and everything just looks so real which is odd because it's this fantastical kind of game with this very very whimsical cutesy style and uh it just looks 
fantastic mm-hmm. absolutely amazing yeah everything kind of looks like um like a textile or or or, or some sort of like sewing design um and it, uh, what i think was really innovative that they worked with the theme was because it's all yarn and, and sort of sewing and stitching like if there were holes in in the fabric that made up the the level you could jump to what would be the background i guess and you kind of go behind everything and you can pop out a, a window at a higher level or a higher higher right, floor of a building right. and when kirby's walking you can see a little bump underneath the mm-hmm. fabric where he is and again just that the, attention the three to dimensional detail. yeah yeah exactly it's it's a 2d platformer but it has these like layers yeah. to it that just look amazing did you notice when uh, kirby walks the ground sort of uh, dips underneath him so it looks like he's got a bit of yeah. weight yeah 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 this the game the this the presentation of this game is one of the best mm-hmm. that that i think we've seen on the on the modern playthrough which is kind of ironic because this is a, a 2d platformer this this really harkens back to games like Yoshi's Island or even um, the Yoshi game on N64 that has a really unique, uh, you know, bright color palette and some unique textures that you're not going to see uh, commonly, even in even in a Nintendo platformer. Mm-hmm. But it seems like so this is this... what Nintendo's kind of known for, and they're kind of they've built a reputation on. Um, innovating uh, and experimenting with these almost like cutesy things but they kind of they're they're not like age restricted right and speaking of which i guess that can we can move on to the um the thing that i joked about in the beginning was that this game is it's very easy Mm -hmm. it's a it's you as as um disposed hero or co-host steven noted on the forum you can't actually die you just get like kind of even if you jump down a bottomless pit you kind of just get spit back up into the world and keep going so i i saw i watched a lot of reviews of this game and some people actually did criticize it for being too easy but that's always been what kirby games are all about they're they're the kind of entry-level platformer uh series yeah. for for nintendo so but i think as far as kirby games go this is probably like an entry level to to kirby games that's true that's true out of the kirby games this is definitely the easiest mm-hmm. one out of, out of the ones i've played and i think i've played all of them or most of them um but yeah it's it's easy but that's not a bad thing i mean we talk about things on this show a lot that games get criticized for that not, aren't necessarily a, a, a criticism against the game in uh, in, a, in an objective mm-hmm. way. For example, how long a game is. Well, a game can be two hours long and be very powerful and effective at two hours long. And in the same way, a game can be very easy and be powerful and effective or in the case of someone like me who sometimes likes to come home from work at night and just have dinner and then play video games to relax, I don't mind playing a game that's just super easy and, you know, there's there's no major consequences for dying and there's no um, stress. Yeah, that's a good point because, I mean, I think this is a very good, like, de- uh, de-stressor. 
Um, and you don't really have to, I mean, it's not easy. It still does have its challenges, but it's not frustratingly difficult. Yeah. Right, exactly. Now, and then now there's, um, the game is broken down to eight worlds. There's uh, kind of an overworld map, which we've seen in the previous Kirby games. And they're all different levels. And there are levels where you can, where you turn into vehicles. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, there's some auto scrolling levels. Um, uh, there are. And a lot there of this are. stuff. The, the first okay. one that comes to okay. mind is, I think, in, uh, the water world where you can you okay. kind of float and on those Loch Ness monster heads that kind okay. of take you from one end of the screen to the other. That hmm, I hate to be, um, you know, kind of lost or in the dark here. Um, but what I, what I remember more, uh, about my playthrough way back when was the, the vehicle levels where you're, just this big ass orb thing that shoots rockets and you're just kind of barreling through mm -hmm. the level. That was, that was one that I really That was liked. really fun. And isn't there, there's also one that's like you become a spaceship and the game almost plays like a vertical scrolling. I think so. Yeah. Cause that's in, in space world or space land. So yeah. Right. right. Um, so there's a, you, you turn into a dolphin and you have to jump through the hoops and, um, mm -hmm. There was my least favorite, was which a, was uh, turning into a train, and you have to. I knew you were going to say <laughs> is that. that every, I knew you were that's say probably that. everybody's least favorite. Yeah, that's that's pretty pretty infamous for being, uh, you know, to have to draw the tracks with the um, with the Wii is a little cumbersome, and even it's been done in other games, and it really doesn't it doesn't work, work too that well. well. Yeah, there's a game called Ivy the Kiwi, <sighs> which. Uh, which our co-host Single Banana knows all about. It's not it's not great on the Wii because the motion controls are just uh, not good for that kind of thing. But something where, like yeah, that, where you need precision to lay a track doesn't really right, work. Exactly. It's sort of like if if your track was you know a couple pixels too high, Kirby wouldn't ride up the track that you just made. And, and exactly because it comes out like kind of jagged. Yeah. Because the how it registers the um, you know the motion yeah. itself, and I guess because he moved so slowly, um, made it uh, just not frustrating but tiresome is maybe a better word. Right, right. That's why I like the ones that were more just you know free flowing or auto scrolling or you're just this powerful mm -hmm. thing smashing up everything on the screen. Those were my I those were those, the most exciting uh, for sure. Vehicle levels better. Right, right. So, man, we said this would be a short segment, but I don't really know what else to touch on. This is really, like like I said, a fluffy game. I did that on purpose. I know Rich was doing Shining Force, and I wanted to kind of just have something where I could step aside and let, let the community play Shining Force, and I didn't want to... I didn't want to throw something really heavy and deep on the docket. And uh, we actually have something like that for next month in the modern uh, segment. So uh, Floyd, t talk to me, man. What else are we going to say um, about this game? Because <laughs> I haven't played Kirby games in a while, even though I really love the series. Uh, I found this one to be really slow going, like just the way Kirby moved seemed to be really slow. Okay. Um, okay. 
So is that common in in the other games? Is there more? Because I I I think I remember um, Kirby sixty four moving a bit. Like even Kirby's animation went a little faster. Like his walking animation. I think 64 might have been a little faster and it might have been, you know, as as much as I, I kind of slagged on the graphics for 64, it was one of those early 2.5D mm-hmm. platformers, so to speak, where the the screen would turn and rotate and it had verticality to it. Um, so it might have been more interesting from a, not a mechanics, but from a just an environmental perspective. Yeah, where you're you're rotating the world and the camera and moving, so it might have even seemed like it moved faster. I I can't speak to whether it did yeah, or that's, not. Yeah, that's but. totally possible. Um, but yeah, that was my only complaint with the games. It felt like it played very slowly. Um, like even though the levels were really short, it felt like it took a long time to get through them. Right. How did you feel about the uh, the boss battles? Uh, I actually really enjoyed them. Yeah, they're they're, fun. They're mostly good, just typical classic rule of three stuff, you know, hit hit the bad guy three times and his weakness, whatever that may be. Mm -hmm. But it usually involves the mechanics of the whip and, you know, pulling back a button off of something and making it snap back and hit him. And there's this always like this um, confetti effect of the yarn, like flying off of the enemies. And that, that is really like done to a great effect in the boss battles and as you go through the stages of the bosses they change and the way they change is is just ingenious just the the design in this game is so brilliant um it's going to be really cool when the uh when the yoshi game comes out for the wii u um, yeah because that's what do you have a wii u i do and that that's okay, yoshi's you're gonna uh, get that yoshi's w- woolly yeah, world yeah that's probably going to be a very similar aesthetic um which should right. be cool um and it is it's is it supposed to be like a spiritual successor or maybe even a, like a direct successor to yoshi's island i, I can't remember yeah Oh, I don't know about Yoshi's. I was going to say it would be a spiritual successor to this game. It's def- I mean, it's the same developer. The developer uh, for uh, Epic Yarn, by the way, is Good Feel, which is um, not... The, the other Kirby games are developed directly by HAL Laboratories, uh, you know, as far as I know, just off the top of my head. But Good Feel developed Epic Yarn. They had previously done... Uh, Wario Shake It for the Wii, which was a game that I played a little bit of, but my my wife actually really loved that game. That was one of the first games we ever had when we got our Wii. And uh, so it looks like that, you know, they have a a small but really good track record. So the the Yoshi's Worldly World is looking really promising. And and if it's half as good as Kirby's Epic Yarn, it'll be adorable Mm -hmm. and like I said, re- hopefully just relaxing and a pleasant experience. A nice, fluffy yeah. baby game for babies <laughs> that only casual, only casuals would play. <laughs> well, casuals and I guess, you know, diehard Nintendo fans. Um, right, right. No, of course I'm just teasing. Of and, um, I'm just being snarky. But, I, you know, it, it's no secret that I, lo- I, I like relaxing, easy games, so... These are these are right up my alley. Are you um are you following um uh I th- what's I think it's called Rainbow Curse, and it's 
that's for the Wii U, the, and it's got you have to um, uh, like draw paths for for Kirby to follow. On right now, that one is already out, right? I, that one came out a couple. I'm pretty months sure it's ago already that out. I know yeah. of. Yeah, I heard some not too great things about that game. Let me see. Now that was that was developed by HAL Laboratory, but it. I remember hearing that it wasn't good. Was it so? Was it? Um, did it like deviate too much from the Kirby formula? Because I only remember f- seeing a few, you know, clips and screenshots. So I don't know too much about it. I'm not sure either. I, it it has a 74 on Metacritic, which is not bad, but not horrible. Um, that's it's a, it's a that's very actually okay a score. sequel. That is actually. It looks like a sequel. It's a follow-up to Kirby Canvas Curse, which is on the DS, which I have but haven't played. Okay. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of places. If our listeners and our participants who played Epic Yarn um, wanted to branch off, and, and if this was their first Kirby game, I would def- definitely recommend the, the Game Boy Originals, um, the NES game, the 64 game, um, they're mostly good, except apparently Kirby and the Rainbow Curse is not great. But I mean, if I had a Wii U, I would get it. I'm, sh- you know, don't let don't let a lukewarm critical reception mm-hmm. ever throw you off playing a game that you want to play. Yeah, I've I've liked a lot of games that have critically scored well or uh, poorly, I should say. Sorry. Right. Um. So let me just we we had um, you know. I picked a fluffy game and I kind of got what I asked for as far as uh, reception and, and participation. But I just wanted to thank our participants, which was me, you, Stephen, and uh, our German friend, Eric Escapade, who made a, you know, Eric, thank you for, for playing. You always make a, a good effort to participate and keep the threads going and lively. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm always happy when... Uh, Eric signs up for one of our games because I know he's going to contribute some quality material to our conversation. So thanks a lot. And with, with that Floyd, unless you, if you have anything to add to Kirby, I'd love to hear it. If not, I would, I would love it if you would tell us about the modern selection for June. Okay. Well, I think you touched on all the essential games that if, if anybody liked this game that, um, all the other games in the series that you listed that are worth playing are are there. I would echo that. Um, so our uh, next modern game is going to be um, what's I guess you can call it a classic already, and it's it's already become quite legendary and uh, very well received by both uh, gamers and critics. That's um that's Mass Effect by BioWare. Um, so if you, awesome. if you haven't played Mass Effect, um, first of all, I guess or shame on you, you <laughs> um, you know, so if you've played any of their other games, like the, the Dragon Age, um, you kind of know what to expect. It's almost, it's kind of like a blend of Star Wars and Star Trek and, um, a little bit of Knights of the Old Republic style, uh, character development. Um, right. And the. The world famous Bioware uh, dialogue choices yeah. and and romance options and 
I got to tell you, you picked a good one, man. This is one of my favorite games of all time. It is the first game I've ever played where as soon as the credits rolled, I started a new game and started playing again and played for like two more hours just starting a new game. I never do that. I always want to, I always want to go on to the next mm-hmm. thing because as we all know, we all have huge backlogs and a lot of us have collections that we want. We have games we want to play, but Mass Effect, man, what a game. And and now you, you have you played it? Um, I've played about a third of it. Okay. So this would be your first time going yeah. through it. Okay, cool. I, I was going to say that people don't like Mass Effect. They love Mass Effect. Right. No, it, it really is a game that if it gets its hooks into you and if you're into that kind of thing, the Bioware formula Mm -hmm. and uh, boy, I mean, I I could talk about it right now, but this show was about Kirby next month. We will talk about mass effect. So everybody please come play mass effect with us. Come on rfgeneration.com and uh, it's going to be awesome. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how uh, people uh, develop their commander shepherds. Whether they go male, female, whether they go uh, uh, Paragon or Renegade, um, what kind of alliances they form and what alliances they break, it's going to be exciting. And who they sleep with. Right. That's, That's the most the important, important part. part. <laughs> exactly. All right, Floyd. Well, uh, this has been a great, if brief, conversation, but that's kind of by design. It's a holiday weekend and uh, we've all got things to do and... Let's uh, let's just say thank you for listening, and Floyd, uh, enjoy the rest of your yeah, weekend. Thank you. I will see everyone else on the forums, and we'll see uh, see you next month on the next podcast. All right. going to wrap up another playcast thank you for listening and a very special thank you to everyone who joined in the playthroughs remember to visit rfgeneration.com to participate in the playthroughs discuss the games or leave feedback about this podcast join us next month in our playthroughs for june 2015 in which steven will be hosting Mega Man 2 and 3 for the nintendo entertainment system and Floyd will be hosting another one of my favorite modern games, which is BioWare's masterpiece, Mass Effect, for the PS3, Xbox 360, and PC. Thank you again for listening to the show, and we'll see you next time on the RF Generation Playcast. (laughs) 